1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: Hello, D-Aliens. This is Kevin Wall as the fill-in executive producer for the DA Show this week. Happy Monday, as this is the best of today's DA Show. Listen up. Happy
3: Monday, North America. The mothership has connected. Welcome to our four-hour solar sports soiree, live from the CBS Sports Radio studios in New York City. Heard in affiliates nationwide and north of the border. The free Odyssey app, the CBS Sports app, SiriusXM channel one fifty-eight, from Anchorage to Atlanta, from Ocean City, New Jersey, to Ocean City, Maryland. Kalamazoo and Waterloo, we are on the air. They
1: listening, D.A., everything we saying, D.A., everything.
3: We think we're on the air. Um, we've had some technical difficulties overnight here on CBS Sports Radio. Amy Lawrence and James Boccioni just left this room after four hours of battles with technical difficulties and satellite issues and dead air and whatnot. It looked like they had just been through a war. I told Bocch, go have a beer. He said, I definitely will. We think you can hear us now. If you can't, this doesn't matter. But if you can, and throughout the morning, if there are issues, feel free to let us know what's going on. Because when things happen overnight, early in the morning, there's not always the easiest, quickest fix. Because there's not always the folks around who know how to handle those things. So we are kind of on the fly here, figuring things out, hoping that you are hearing this four-hour bit of sports nonsense. Uh, it is me, Andrew Bogish. And once again, for Damon Amendolara if you're keeping track of these things, thank you, because we know that Pete Bellotti is not. Uh, I don't know what this is for DA, if this is a vacation, if this is paternity. Maybe he and Carlos got called up to active duty after last week together. I'm not really sure what's going on. But DA is out all of this week, so you've got me once again. We've got no Bilotti through Thursday. So Ryan Botcher stepped in on the wheels of steel. Kevin Wall's in charge of all five of the shows this week. And to my left, in his lone appearance this week in the update chair, is the one and only Pat Boyle. Boyle, I think you were here a lot last week. What the heck did I miss? I I saw army rations. I saw some anger. I saw some excitement. I saw a cool soccer jersey. What happened here last week?
4: I was only here once. Oh, okay. My bad. Never mind (laughs) that. I did updates on Thursday. I was one of the many rotating update anchors last week because I think you had Emmanuel Barbari. You had a Chris LaPresti. You had a Peter Schwartz on Friday. I
3: don't think I've done my regular job in August. And it's August 21st today. Yeah. Be- between uh, me being away and other people being away. I haven't done my regular shift and I don't even remember anymore.
4: This is like, imagine going to see a play on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the Friday <laughs> I know, like, show. So ex- I don't know. I don't even know who a famous Broadway actor is being. I'm so excited. And you see anything but that. You see just <laughs> we, yeah. a rotating cast of characters. That being said, Bogues, I will lift us up and say that I think... We do all. We do a pretty damn good job. Botcher, Kevin Wall, myself, mm-hmm. yourself. This is the best you can get if if you're not getting DA. The Friday show, and I say this
3: as nicely as possible. The Friday show here, which was Caserta and a Carlos and a, and Schwartz. a Peter Schwartz
1: and me. It was and Botcher. It was. And, and and A show. it was a show
3: that is the old fourth NFL preseason game on steroids, (laughs) but everybody loved it. And Caserta sat here looking amazing with that. Hey, I mean, it's just, this is a wonderful group of people, of idiots that all come together in different forms or fashion. August is normally like this around here. This has gone to a new level since we threw some babies into the mix to add paternity leave. We know Pete has infinite days to burn, hence missing four of these shows this week. So it is nothing close to normal. Uh, I hope the show on Fridays stayed on the rail as much as possible. Usually we're so straight-laced and professional. I hope the kids didn't get too carried away on Friday with all the older adults not here. Um, but maybe a little bit small dose of normalcy today and this week. And then next week, as far as I know, we've got four shows next week of basically the regular crew. Me, DA, Cap. And Peter are all supposed to be here next Monday through Thursday. Then we get our last summer Friday And I just mentioned his name right there a second ago. That's really the headline right now. Kaplan is also off this week. So we're going old school. This is just a radio show. I know it's shocking. I know it's weird. But you can't look at us. Boyle is lost without the lights. No makeup. There's no viewers. I'm thankful. I don't need to remember to restart the TV monitor behind me for our logo. That's true. Also, I don't wear makeup. That's true. Not yet. There's no props to worry about to moving out of the studio. We're just doing radio for four hours. If you need to see us, you know what we look like. So just use your mind. Picture me talking. Picture Boyle yelling about something. Botcher, for those of you keeping track, is wearing a bird bath celebrations T-shirt.
1: Yeah, it's the the, the, Orioles? the, it's the guide to the birdbath. So it's like a single is the water, fa- the faucet, the, the faucet. Okay. Uh, Double is an extra base at the sprinkler, and the home run is the the tube. All right. The hose. Okay. And wall not in a Bon Jovi t-shirt. Just a basic $7 shirt
2: from Marshalls. Okay. That's what you get every day. All right. Wow.
3: <laughs> all right. And assuming again you can hear all of us, away we go on a Monday with a lot to get to, as always, another batch of NFL preseason games to weed through CBSSports.com's Jared Dubin is on the show this morning. The Little League Classic was great. The whole day yesterday in Pennsylvania was awesome. Uh, also in Pennsylvania, James Harden, the Sixers, still suck. We'll get to that again. Sounds of Saturday. Our college football preview continues with Bob Kessling, the voice, the longtime voice of the Tennessee Volunteers. But we begin with the other football. This is a remarkable story, and it's gone for 29 days basically better than anyone could have expected. Leo Messi has come to America, come to Inter Miami. He has taken the MLS and soccer as a whole in this country by storm and it's just the beginning and this morning it's where we begin. It's our cold open.
0: Oh,
1: Leo Messi around Zimmerman. Messi
2: Dramatic, hard running. It's DA's top story.
3: Here
5: he goes. It's your cold open.
3: I don't know that dude's name. I should by now because he's crushing all of these messy calls. His uh, extended, messy yell when Messi scores, I keep hearing it in my backyard. Of my, my son and his friends play soccer because they don't want to be messy. And Messi keeps scoring to let the calls happen. The call that you just heard through Apple TV was from Saturday night. It was the 10th goal in seven Inter-Miami games that Messi has scored. It feels like they get prettier and more dramatic every time he scores. This one was relatively early in the League's Cup finale. It was three or four touches, control, one move, another move, and then a bending left foot top corner goal. It started the scoring... The game went to penalty kicks. Messi converted his PK into Miami 1 over Nashville in PKs to win the League's Cup. They had never won a trophy before in their young history. He shows up a month later. They're on a seven-match win streak. They've got a trophy, and they, play, they start to play for another one this week. Their next game is Wednesday at FC Cincinnati. That's the U.S. Open Cup semifinals. That event is for every professional team in America, and you just weed your way through the end. They find themselves in the Final Four, and another chance for Messi magic and a messy trophy. This has been insane. We had uh, about, I don't know, three weeks ago, we had Paul Tenorio on from The Athletic about week one, the first 10 days or so of Messi in Miami, and... You know, he scored twice in that right away. I mean, it just, it's been hit unbelievable nonstop, and it's not slowed down. It's been all good. They keep winning. He's been spectacular, and the impact has been off the charts. Now, the one thing we don't still know is any specific ratings from Apple because they're not sharing them. MLS is not putting them out there. I don't know if you're going to read anything into that. Part of me says... If they had these astronomical numbers and increases in purchases and whatnot, they'd be telling us about them. On the other hand, maybe it's still hard to track exactly what everybody's doing streaming-wise, but as far as the soccer goes, the games have been great. The drama has been great. Messi's been Messi plus. Every story about him being a teammate has been great. Thanking team employees, buying players gifts, taking care of his teammates, being one of the guys. Everything is working here through the first 29 days of Messi in MLS. And the thing that struck me the most and after Saturday, why I wanted to talk about on the show this morning, and then Saturday made it just kept pushing it further and further up the to-do list, is I just spent a week on the Jersey Shore walking boardwalk through a town on the beach, and the Jersey I saw the most boys, girls, under 10, teenagers, Messy jerseys. The boardwalk shops that are selling Pokemon crap and Barbie gear right next to them, messy t-shirts. I saw kids in full messy unis. I didn't even know you could do this. They've got the Inter-Miami jersey and the shorts going. It's a full ensemble. This was, I could not believe how many people were already sporting the messy Inter-Miami gear. Up and down this boardwalk, six nights of the last week. Everywhere you look in particular, there's the purple version of the Messi into Miami jersey, whether it's the actual jersey, the t shirt jersey, it's just everywhere. And I don't know what the full end game is going to be because while guys may be looking at Messi and seeing his success, at, and what's odd to me too is he has not technically played an MLS match yet, he's played MLS teams in different competitions, but they have not played a regularly scheduled MLS game. There was supposed to be one, I believe, last week, but they had to postpone it because Inter stayed in this League's Cup and kept going. So he has not yet played a real, true MLS game. So Inter-Miami is still one of the worst teams record-wise in the league because they haven't had any benefit yet from Messi bumping up their record. But they went from being one of the worst teams in the league, adding him, Busquets, Jordi Alba, and now they basically can't be beaten. There's no way this is not a this is this that this slows down anytime soon, because he's not going to slow down anytime soon. There'll be a couple of teams who show up with better plans. He'll have off nights, but he didn't do much on Saturday for 25 or so minutes, and the ball found him, and he made two little moves, and the ball's in the back of the net. He's always going to be involved. It's always going to be cool to watch him. In terms of following him to MLS, the hard part is he's messy. And the deal that he has from MLS from Inter Miami with Apple is not a repeatable thing where he's getting a cut of all this new business. That's not a thing that they can do all the time for the next guy that wants to leave Europe and come to MLS and live in America and have a little bit of a drop in competition gain some notoriety, but also to live in a place where maybe he's not the rock star that he is in Barcelona, in England, wherever. There are not other messy deals out there to give these guys, but I think what he's showing is how successful you can be in your own setup at the, the back third of your career when you come here, still have fun, still be good, still compete because he wants to do all of these things. I keep reading quotes, hearing quotes from people that know him former teammates, friends who say he's just he's been different since they won the World Cup at Argentina. And he wanted to do this. And it's put him in a place where he's just playing freely and fun. And that's why it's all going so well. And that's why he cares about being a good teammate and why he cares about winning. When they won on Saturday, before the trophy presentation, he went and found DeAndre Yedlin, who was into Miami's captain until Messi showed up gave him the armband and made Yedlin come with him onto the stage to accept the trophy and do that little trophy lifting that that is soccer tradition. He wants this to work. He's making it work and a month into it, it is working astonishingly well for him, for them, and for the entire league because everybody that I know that talks about soccer is talking now about Messi and watching Messi and paying to watch Messi on Apple. It's it's just remarkable. The one thing I can't understand, and I asked this when I, we had Paul Tenor of The Athletic on a couple weeks ago, the one thing I don't get, because I don't still know soccer well enough, is that buried in all of this great hype and excitement, is there any bit of a knock on MLS that he and these two other guys have walked in and basically run over the rest of the league? Is it saying anything about the competition level and the quality of player, which has grown exponentially in MLS? It's getting better and better as a feeder league for European clubs, for national teams. It's gaining respect. But these three dudes have walked in and are basically putting on a show that has not been slowed down yet for seven matches by different teams, different approaches. They just can't be stopped. That has, there has to be something slightly negative in there, buried somewhere down deep inside about just how good MLS is. There's also been stories about how Messi has been teaching them how to be professionals on like the European level in terms of practice habits and whatnot. But it is 99.9% amazing for MLS. And any expectations that you had for it, have to be exceeded at this point, boy. You love soccer. I think you got on the soccer train more than for, sooner than I did, earlier than I did.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I played it in high school. So I've been a big soccer fan for a long time. So I don't know like how much you bought into Messi,
3: how much you felt the Messi importance and the effect of this last month. But um, you know, I I had high expectations, and it's been even better than I thought it was going to be.
4: Yeah, I don't want to throw cold water on it. Um, so I'll start with the positives here. Like you said, for. The exposure for the growth of soccer here in the in the States and North America for finally getting somebody that wasn't way out of their prime. Like, I remember when David Villa came to NYC FC, right. um, who was one of the best strikers in Spain's history, played for Barcelona, played for a bunch of great teams. That was, like, a huge thing. And then Andrea Pirlo, one of the best players from Italy, came here. Like, it's way bigger than than that. Way bigger. I mean, it's Leo Messi. So it's it's great. Hopefully, you know, money continues to come in from the TV deal they have with Apple TV. Maybe we actually get an actual broadcasting deal Yeah, in, so I'll in the say future. this, too.
3: Up until Messi, everything I had heard from people inside the business was that the Apple TV thing was a disaster. Yes. From, like, that—I mean, even the Messi introductory, introductory event in Miami sucked on Apple TV. Now, maybe the weather was a problem that night, but you couldn't hear it. The quality was bad at first. Like, that was a you-know-what sh-
6: Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Joe, For a while, the deal was they were way over budget, shaky announcer decisions. And it just disappeared, like you just you didn't know m l s existed because it was on apple t v and you had to pay a hundred bucks to go find it, but you know where Messi is now,
4: yeah, for sure, so again, it is a big step forward, and I think soccer's only getting bigger and more popular in the states and in North America. That being said, now with uh Saudi money. Being a playing a big role right. in all sports, you know, golf especially, but now soccer. You see some of the biggest stars in the world who are still in their prime, leaving to go to Saudi Arabia when maybe that would have been our chance to, you know, piggyback off of the messy stuff here for MLS and True. for for the United States and say, okay, maybe we can get Kareem Benzema. Nope. Instead, now there's absolutely no shot that any MLS team can afford to throw a hundred million dollars at a player. So as much as a big step forward it is for Messi coming to the States and coming to Miami, I don't think it's now going to say, okay, now we're going to start getting other huge players that are maybe just outside of their prime to come here unless this whole Saudi thing maybe starts to go away or decrease in the next two years, which I don't know if it is. And again, Messi's still great. He's still right up there as the greatest player of all time. You can put him in the argument with a Ronaldo with with, – like anybody else that's ever played the game, Messi will forever be up there. But again, he played for PSG the last three years, Paris, in the in the French League. <laughs> and, and I would say, you know, the Premier League in England is still the best league in the world. And then you've got the Bundesliga in Germany, Italy's league, Spain's league, all better than the French League. So he's right. playing in the fifth best league in Europe, playing with Kylian Mbappe, playing with Neymar, playing with some of the best players in the world. And they had, like, the PSG owners are... Uh, I'm, I, I don't want to make a mistake here. I know they're from the middle East. They got a ton of money. So they were throwing a ton of money at that team and they still couldn't win the champions league in Europe. <laughs> the first year he was there, they didn't even win their league, right? And they're playing in the fifth best league in Europe. And now all of a sudden he comes to the MLS and Miami can't lose. So it, the MLS competition is still a far cry from everywhere else in the world and Europe. Maybe that doesn't matter. Um, I would say again, though, this has been a huge boost for the popularity of the sport in in the United States and in North America, and it, it's Leo Messi. So I guess enjoy it while he is here because he might only be here for two, three years right. at most. Yeah, and my, you know my, my
3: son wants to go to a go to a match, and uh, the actually we were in Southern New Jersey last week, so we were connected to Philly more than New York, and they were playing Thursday, last Thursday night, I think, or last Wednesday night in Philadelphia. Against the Philadelphia Union, and that thing—it was like this cheapest standing room only ticket was like three fifty for one, just to get into that. And then when he plays here, when he plays at Red Bull Arena, it's five hundred bucks to yeah. get in. Yeah,
4: uh, so you know the pipe, you know the the interest is there. It has sparked it's a quite a little bit of a phenomenon here. So I, again, it's great, it's fantastic, and hopefully the messy magic doesn't die. Hopefully he stays healthy. Yeah, because that'd be the one thing that. You know, if, if you get, I mean, let's say how many hundreds of thousands of people have now been like, all right, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to get the, the MLS season pass on, on Apple TV. If he, if he gets injured, then that's going to be, that's going to be kaput. <laughs> and again, this is just the league's cup. Like you have, right. you have the league, you have the MLS regular standings, which um, it's different from most of other soccer around the world where there's no actual like knockout playoffs at the end. It's just whoever wins the most games in the league throughout the year. You're the champion. We actually do have, a you know, the MLS knockout tournament playoffs, like every other sport we have here right. in North America. So there is that. Um, and then you also have a separate leagues cup tournament, which is what they've been running through, and they just won. Inter-Miami still in last place in the MLS. Yeah. They're not making the playoffs this year. So I, I think for the fact that it's been, you know, that they just won the League's Cup and you've got all this interest is great. And hopefully next year they can actually make some noise. And I think it is important to keep things
3: in perspective that it's going to be hard for other people, other stars like him to come here and do anything similar to this. And you also don't want to get carried away. And part of this is I think people not fully understanding soccer still. But I saw a tweet yesterday from Mark Jones, the ESPN announcer, saying, you know, Inter-Miami winning this is like the Rockets or the Pistons winning this new uh, NBA, you know, the NBA thing. NBA so Cup. Can't wait. Sit tight. And I wanted to be like, well, are the Rockets and Pistons going to add LeBron, Wade, and Bosch in the middle of the season to win that thing? Like, it's not so – we don't need to get crazy in pumping up the NBA's in-season thing because of what Inter-Miami did when it's not again like, you know, like the Rockets are going to have this influx of talent in November to show up and win this Commissioner's Cup thing in December. But it's been fun to watch. It has been only a month – only four weeks in a day or so, and it's just one thing after another that's positive, positive, positive for MLS and Messi. Uh, And like Boyle said, it's not going to last for forever, two or three seasons, so uh, hopefully we get two or three full seasons of Messi and it remains this fun to watch. We've got other soccer to do this morning. Spain won the Women's World Cup about 24 hours ago, uh, a win that was not without drama. Pre-game, during the game, and then after the game as well. The soccer was beautiful. Spain's federation is not. That's on the agenda this morning. James Harden is as well. A lot of football talk. Jared Dubin, Sports.com will join us, as will Bob Kessling, the longtime voice of the Tennessee Vols. He's our Sounds of Saturday guest on this Monday morning. When we come back, though, it's Sound Check, your best audio of the day. Next, the DA Show, CBS Sports Radio.
5: CBS presents this
0: program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers
5: coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck.
3: Two young NFL quarterbacks and a tennis legend make up sound check on this Monday morning. We begin with Packers QB Jordan Love, the number one guy now in Green Bay, and he says he is ready to go for week one.
5: At this point, I think I'm definitely ready for week one um, and carry on
3: throughout the season. Um, I think these first two games were a lot of good work, obviously getting the practice
5: in uh, with Cincy and with the Patriots as well. Um, But I think, you know, playing in that last game would just, Be getting more reps, just getting more comfortable, seeing new looks, going against a different team. um, So I don't think it would hurt.
3: There is a game tonight, which I can't remember who's playing. One of them, I believe, is the Commanders. And that concludes the second round of preseason games. And then Thursday starts the third and final round. And that's the next kind of hurdle for all these coaches and players to decide who plays, who does him in the finale. Jordan Love says he's good to go now through, too. He was 5 of 8, 84 yards, a touchdown in Saturday's game with New England, which ended early because of that Isaiah Bolden scary injury. We'll discuss that, some other issues around the NFL injury-wise uh, and decision-wise throughout the morning as well. Now we're in Carolina. Panthers rookie QB Bryce Young. Had another tough go around so he was asked if he's ready for week one.
4: I'm a trusted coaches um you know whatever you know honestly I, I don't really know how the whole I don't I don't know what the the procedure is and again I know coaches are different so um you know I I, I Full, you know, wholeheartedly trust the coaches and whatever their decision is. Um, we haven't talked about or discussed anything, but whatever whatever uh Coach Reich wants me to do and, and thinks is gonna be best for, for me and for the team, um, you know, that that's what I'm gonna do. And that's
3: about playing in their final preseason game as well. I think their first decision would be fixing their offensive line, which has given Bryce Young zero chance to make plays in two preseason games so far. Finally, The thing, the event, that probably almost none of you paid attention to, but might have been the best thing that happened yesterday, it was the men's final, the Cincinnati Masters, Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz, a Wimbledon final rematch. It was over three hours long, three long sets. I think all tiebreakers, Alcaraz won the first, Djokovic rallied to win the second, and then the third. So he gets this win after Alcaraz got him at Wimbledon, And Novak talking here about the young Spanish rival. Boy, you never
0: give up, man.
4: I mean, I mean, I love that about you. But, you know, sometimes I wish that you maybe play a few points just like this, you know. (laughs) Spanish never die. Okay, good. I've heard that before, you know. (laughs) Or or I've experienced this before. Maybe not like this, or maybe yes, I don't
3: know. So obviously a little Rafi on the doll hat tip in there as well. This thing went till 8.30 last night and had my almost complete attention. I was trying to watch the NFL game, was trying to watch the Nats and Phillies, but I kept being drawn to this because every single point of this match was ridiculous it looked like Djokovic had nothing physically late in the first set somehow won the second the third set could have ended about 15 different times but the other guy just kept making shots to catch up to go ahead to fall it was incredible incredible drama for a Sunday in mid August in Cincinnati which on the slide by the way if you're a tennis fan is a super fun event it's like a mini U.S. Open men and women are there pretty you know pretty significant grounds it's not in Cincinnati it's in Mason Ohio uh, I've been there once it's not so you got to leave Cincy to get there but if you love tennis and you can't get to New York to see the Open that's not a bad trip if that's within you know especially within driving distance for you in the middle of the country so if you live anywhere between like Philadelphia and Boise based on our geography then Mason Ohio is within your striking distance for some tennis but that match was insane boyle
4: Yeah, uh, that was one of the greatest three best of three set matches I've ever seen. All the Grand Slams are best of five. So every other tournament's best of three. And this is, you know, it's a Masters tournament. So it is the second tier. It's pretty big, right? Going into the U.S. Open. And everybody, when this tournament started last week, everybody was like, all right, we're going to get Djokovic Alcaraz. This is the first time they're in a tournament together since Wimbledon. I think it's the first
3: time they both played since Wimbledon.
4: Uh, Alcaraz played Toronto Masters did? last okay. week and lost to an American, Tommy Paul. But yes, this was Djokovic's first tournament since Wimbledon. Basically, took a month off, a little vacation with the family. You know, got back into it two weeks before the U.S. Open, and everybody was hoping we were going to get this matchup. And sure enough, we did. And Alcaraz was playing well at all this week. Every match he went, he played, went to three sets. So, but then, yeah, you know, as you mentioned, it Djokovic. I've never seen him probably. In about 12 years, just looks so fatigued, so drained. I mean, he literally looked like he was getting heat stroke. It was 93 right. degrees with a feel of 99 yesterday. Humidity off the charts. And he got up a break lead in the first set. And then, yeah, it looked like he totally fell apart. And I was like, you know, you're saying, okay, this is the first time he's playing in the day this week. Does that have a factor? Is he just getting old? Like, is he getting more and more <laughs> mortal now? Does Alcaraz own him? And sure enough, as I've seen Djokovic do countless times, maybe a little bit of mental warfare. I'm sure he was actually feeling it and probably felt like he was going to pass out. But then that first set ended. He went down a break in the second set. And then sure enough, got a break, got back even, wins the second set, in which he saved a championship point. And then that third set, it lasted an hour and 40 minutes. And yeah, the shot making... The physical exhaustion these two were experiencing, it was an all-out war, and I guess, you know, the the main thing that comes out of it, it's not a Grand Slam, but we can only hope that in three weeks' time we get to see this rematch in the U.S. Open final.
3: So I covered this event. um, I mean, I don't even remember when. I have to go back and, like, cross-reference who won and whatever. But my job for this week or so in Mason, Ohio, was to just go to press conferences, record sound, do interviews and send it to through this company to like, I don't know, 25 to 30 global clients. So I was sending things to English speaking countries, Spanish, French, ta- all over the globe. I had, I got the entire French press corps mad at me that I got spoken to by the ATP, like media rep. And he came over he said, I know you're doing nothing wrong, but I have to tell you about this. Because, again, I was feeding sounds to the world. I only speak English. I know like 1% of Spanish. I can kind of weasel my way through a Spanish, especially reading Spanish, not speaking Spanish with somebody. So I would just go into the press conferences. And normally in tennis, because everybody speaks multiple languages, there's every reporter there's is re- represented too. So like there would be English questions and there might be French questions or Roger Federer spoke three languages. There'd be three different sets of questions for Federer in those press conferences. But I would go into a French player's press conference, and it would just be the player sitting in a chair and all of us sitting around him or her, and everyone would just have their tape records, their microphones out. So I would just sit there and record what everybody was saying. They'd be done, and I would go, thanks, and hit stop on my thing, make it an MP3, and send it out. And these guys thought I was stealing their material— because it was their questions. <laughs> but it's a press conference. It's open season. You ask a question, that answer becomes everybody's use. Yeah. So they were like there were six French dudes who like thought I was this terrible, like unprofessional, disingenuous audio thief for three or four days in Ohio until finally they complained about it. So then I what I had to do with the compromise was I and thankfully all the players speak English as well as their native tongue so I would ask a question in English he or she would answer it in French and then I would leave the room and they would have their French conversation with Richard Gasquet or Guillermo Fis and I'd go back to my desk and send the one answer I got that I asked in English and they answered in French they punished you kind of they just they just didn't get it, and you were in the states too. It's not even yeah. like you were at the
4: French Open and doing the, this.
3: And the 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 event guy was like, I know you're not. I know this is how it works, but they're they're pissed. So like, what can be the? And they don't get it. They don't
1: understand they, what's the compromise. And this was the compromise. I know you're right, but we're still gonna punish you and only let you have one question. Yeah, and kick you out of well, the room. Well,
3: no, I could have asked more, but I had a, I could only send out the answers to my question. And it just worked out that I would go in, I'd ask two or three, and then I'd leave. And then they could do whatever they wanted. Because they would just, I don't even know what they were talking about. I could have been sending out things that were talking about, like, how they laced their shoes, what they had for dinner last night. I didn't even know the questions nor the answers. They might have not have been tennis-related. And I was going, record, stop, send. So it was probably, in the end, it was probably better for me to do it that way because then I knew I was getting tennis answers, but, like, six dudes wanted to fight me in the parking lot over this. They thought I was, like, stealing their word, like, plagiarizing them. Not me. But it's super fun. And, like, by the end of the week, this is why I love tennis events so much. Like, I would record these interviews with Federer and Nadal. And by, like, Thursday, they would know that I would talk to them in English. And they would answer in a different, I, can, I, can, you, can you do Spanish? And, like, Federer does three. I forget now what they are. It's German. And he can speak French, too. Who's and this? Federer. Yeah, German, and, French. And English. And English. And he would just rapid fire the same answer in the three languages after my one English question.
4: Tennis players are amazing. International players are amazing. Yeah, you play all around the world. You're definitely going to pick up. Like, I, I I spoke pretty good Spanish about up until about six, seven years ago. I mean, if you played, you know, how many tournaments in Spain? Four or five throughout yeah. the year. You're going to pick up a lot more, and then well, and Europe is also so small
3: in comparison, to like the you know to the United States, and you're moving through all these different countries, not states, with different languages and borders get iffy. You just it's it's just part of your life. <sighs>
4: it's such a life, man. You get to play in the most beautiful places in the world year round. Always great weather.
3: Damn. Yeah. Instead, we're here in a dark radio room with very little air circulation and maybe no one's hearing us. Oh, Because that's technical (laughs) problems. As Bodger does an air check. Oh, we're good. Okay, we're on the air. Glad everybody's here. Here's an update. Here's Boyle.
4: (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's start with a Little League classic from last night. Williamsport rubber game between the Nats and Phils. Washington jumped on Zach Wheeler for four runs in the first inning, and that was just enough. Phillies were shut out for eight innings. They rallied for three runs in the top of the ninth. JT Realmuto pinch hit and came to the plate as the tying run. But Nats closer Kyle Finnegan struck him out to end it. Nationals win 4-3. Phillies lose their grip a bit on the top spot in the NL wild card. Elsewhere, my favorite game of this baseball season. How many losses are the A's on track for? The Orioles molly-whopped them again, 12-1. They pull off a three-game sweep in Oakland. Baltimore maintains their second-best record in baseball, but the A's are now 34-90. and They're on pace to finish. Quick guess, anybody? 34-90 and 90 means 124 games, right? How many more wins are they going to get? How many more wins if they finish <sighs> maintain the pace that they're at currently right now? So that means they've got 38 games left. 47.
3: They're going to lose 118.
4: Yep, you're right. They are on pace to go 44-118. and 118. That would be the eighth wow, worst what guess? in the modern history of the game. It would be one win better, though, than the Tigers from what was that, 2003, 20 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, White Sox pounded the Rockies 10-5. And in Arlington, Max Scherzer moved into 11th place on the all-time strikeout list in Major League history. Then he imploded. Couldn't get out of the fourth inning. Brewers took down the Rangers' NFL preseason week two wraps up tonight. Bogues, you were talking about it. Ravens and Commanders. We'll see if Baltimore can continue this absurd, historic (laughs) preseason streak. We talk about it every year. I love it. And every year they don't lose. They have won 24 consecutive preseason games dating back to 2015. I mean, you want to talk about a bet that can't lose. (laughs) That might be the most inexplicable streak trend in sports. Every dude, you your start at best at best nowadays. Your starters play two games, two out of the three. Now right. that there are at best, your starters play two, and they come out either at halftime at best or after the first quarter. Right. And think
3: about the amount of doofuses they're playing in the back half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter that could ruin everything.
4: And it's not like the I mean the Ravens have decent depth, but it's not like they're rolling out a Pro Bowl team. Right. Right.
3: I don't get I, it. I don't, and I love it. I hope it never ends.
4: Do we have a line on this game? I mean, they they have to be because you can't, in theory, you can't, in good conscience, as a bookmaker, as a sports book, make them more than like a minus one thirty favorite, can you? You're asking the wrong guy about that. Oh, I got it uh, loading right here. Just I'm just wondering how many second. dudes have.
2: Baltimore's actually favored by one and a half.
3: Okay, right yeah, now.
4: one and a half point favorite. Yeah, right. minus one thirty on the money line. I don't think you, in good conscience, you can conscience, you can make them Knowing more than me that. if I was going to place a buck on this one. Washington would win, so hmm. I,
6: I. When am it comes not to gambling, <laughs> a compulsive gambler. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, see, if you are, please do not listen to what I said about a uh, bet that can't lose because they they absolutely it's a preseason football game. But we're getting closer and closer. Last night, Saints beat the Chargers twenty-two seventeen. Famous Jameis Winston played the first half. He led three scoring drives. Finished thirteen for twenty-one for one hundred and sixty-nine yards. Meanwhile, one of the best backup QB names in the NFL, good old Easton Stick, played the entire game for the Chargers. He did throw two picks, but he also ran for 63 yards and two tutties. I don't think Uh it really. I don't think it got. Oh, yeah, tutties. That is right. (sighs) Carlos with a K, no longer here to check that and um, drink. Yeah, let's. uh, Brandon Staley, though, uh, not impressed.
1: I think it was an uneven performance in the passing game for us. you know, we, we didn't protect the passer very well. I didn't think we threw it with accuracy. I just thought it was inconsistent throughout the night. And, um, you know, certainly three turnovers You know, really told a story tonight.
4: Uh, Bugs, I know you want to talk about the scary incident that took place over the weekend. So I will save that for you, especially because we are late to break here. So uh, that's all I got for you. Saturday, there was a ton of games. We will go through some of the best action over the weekend From week two in the NFL preseason, and I'll get you all the other big news that are going on in sports uh, next hour. One of those games
3: was the Niners. Brock Purdy played in it, cementing their status to me as the best team in the NFC. That's next on the DA Show, CBS Sports Radio.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
3: A hey, good Monday morning. It's hour two of the DA show here on CBS Sports Radio on the free Odyssey app, Sirius XM channel one fifty eight, and that's it. We've got no stream today or this week because. Both Kaplan and DA are off this week. You got Bogish. You've got Boyle, Botcher, and a Kevin Wall appearance. Now, Wall and I are here all five days. Botcher's here through Thursday. This is your lone Boyle visit, though, of the week. So now I'd normally tell the ladies to make sure they're watching as intently as possible, but that's not possible today without the stream. Boyle is wearing a t shirt, so no. Unnecessarily unbuttoned shirt today, revealing a chest hair or two, which drove the ladies crazy a couple of weeks ago. More
2: professional, more subdued. I picked the wrong weekend to get some sun. What can I say? I felt good, you know? I don't look like uncooked chicken for once. (laughs) And next thing you know, there's no no stream.
3: I mean, I guess you could put yourself on, like, Instagram Live or something like that, or, like, take over our account, and you could just... Stream, stream yourself, yourself producing the show.
4: That's a tremendous line, Kev. It didn't look like uncooked chicken.
3: <laughs> it's true.
4: <laughs>
3: Let's be real. It's true. It's good to know your parameters. Right?
4: <laughs> I guess, yeah. Because yeah. I've never had somebody call me uncooked chicken because I've got similar skin to Kevin. Very Irish. When red, you're Irish blotchy. and
2: Canadian, there's no luck. You're just red I know. or pale.
4: I'd bet that you You do any tanning, tanning bed, no, nothing? I don't have the time. Okay. I did, I did get a spray tan before my senior prom. Me too. Yeah? See, I think that's pretty common. Before no. your senior prom? Yeah, spray tan?
3: Yeah, it's not
1: common. Was, no, it's I not. Was, Botch, it you, did, you weren't one of those Didn't guys? Spray tan? I don't think I've ever needed a spray tan. That's.
4: Oh, sorry, Botch. Oh, sorry, yeah. I don't have your, <laughs> I your get perfect immaculate. I have natural sun color. <laughs> What's skin called? I almost said hemoglobin for a second. <laughs> Pigment? Uh, No idea. Is that what you're looking for? Pigment? Um, kind of. What's what's the... Melanin? No. Yes, melanin. Sorry, mm. I don't oh. have your immaculate melanin there, botch.
3: Yeah, I mean, I used spend a week on the beach, and I don't have that much color because I have to be careful because I would be red like a lobster. But you get good color,
4: day. aren't you? What are you, are Irish and German?
3: Yeah, but it's big, but this is like what I get through, like, heaping handfuls of sunscreen.
2: Are you doing, like, SPF 50?
3: Yeah, and then after a while, I got one of those, like, long-sleeve, like, you have... Yeah, UPS, is that what it is? What are UVA shirts, like rash guards? <laughs> yeah, we I mean, got one of those UPS shirts. What are the We're what We're turning into Sean. What are the three rating, the three letters that are the rating of, of U- like... UV. No, there's three of them, I feel like. SPF. Maybe I'm confused in the no, two of No, it's definitely them. SPF. Either SPF way... SPF is
4: the sunscreen grade. I, I got a couple UV of long... UV rays is what the sun emanates. All right. Either way,
3: I got a couple of long sleeve shirts that are supposed to protect me from the sun as well. And I got a like a bucket hat kind of thing. I'm a loser because skin cancer is real, man. I'm going to have
4: it. I can't even tell you, and I'm sure Kevin can commiserate. Like, if I had a guess of the times that I have gotten sunburned to the point where you look at somebody and you go, dude, you look like a lobster, like at least 25 times in my life. Do you
2: remember me last fall when I went to Jacksonville and my face (laughs) was bright red? I had the sunglass... um, like I had my sunglasses on the whole time so when I walked into the building you could <laughs> see the glasses the glasses
4: resembled uh, yeah you underestimated that florida sun big time oh uh, but it was worth it yeah i'm not a, i wasn't a big
3: beach guy growing up so i don't it took me a while to know all the beach protocols when my wife and i first started dating we went away for the weekend to like a, a, the jersey shore a different part of it and i was trying to act all tough like all right, sunscreen on once in the morning, went to the beach, swam, sat there. She doesn't want an umbrella. She wants the tan. I'm like, okay, fine, we'll get an umbrella. And I'm just laying there. Never reapplied. By like four in the afternoon, I was 115 degrees, beat red. I slept for like 36 hours. I couldn't have been less manly on this initial romantic getaway with my now wife. Since then. <laughs> All we do is reapply. I might as well not even go outside at this point.
4: Well, dude, it reminds me of like a viral tweet I saw from years ago. And um, I think it was Dave Portnoy where he tweeted something about like how he didn't want sunburn. And some dude called him a, you know, a meow. And he goes, wow. He goes, imagine that. You're being too tough for the sun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. The sun's going to win. Out every time. So
3: you're going to get skin cancer before the dementia that leads to the Boyle family fighting over your correct
2: useless body? Okay. I'm guessing 45 for me.
4: All right, I just I'm like not, how Boyle's yeah, I'm lining
2: be, up maladies. I'm
3: I, might, have skin I might be cancer. there in
4: 10 years. So, yeah, definitely, hopefully <laughs> I, that comes before the dementia. So by the time, I, before I'm 40, we'll have the skin cancer. Dementia probably kicks in around 65, 70. So there's got to be some other malady, as you just said, that, that gets thrown in there in between. Maybe I got to get my leg amputated.
5: Kidney stones, kidney stones, kidney stones.
3: Ooh, kidney stones. That seems temporary, though. Boyle's thinking more long term.
4: Now, you know what would happen? I'm the type of guy that would, like, I would have something going on in my leg and I wouldn't get it checked out. And then it would get too late to the point where it's like, we got to cut your leg off.
3: It's good
2: to have goals, Boyle.
4: So we got skin cancer, amputated leg, dementia to finish me off. Yeah. (laughs) The Crate
2: team was worth it in your 20s, right?
4: (laughs) And if you're just tuning in
3: somehow and not understanding a couple weeks ago Boyle declared that he was hoping for a dementia fueled end to his life because he wanted to have his many children fighting over his body to who gets what in the inheritance like this weird reality show and we were all confused by the excitement the, the optimism of the dementia ends.
4: I don't want them fighting over me. I just want some I just want one of them to take care of me. Oh, okay. Like I witnessed my mom do for her mom and you know <laughs> So another benefit Absolute-
3: of the bo- spreading boil seed is more kids increases the chances of one of them loving you step, enough yeah, to take care to of you To step at the up end. and
4: take care of me and that's right. the one that's going to get the inheritance. Pretty simple. What I, I mean, a do you TV show, uh, do you, are you going to remember what your kids did for you in the beginning of your, uh, you know, in the beginning of their adulthood to be like, all right, yeah, this is the one who's getting written into the will? Maybe most people just give it an equal shot, but I mean, come on. Yeah, I think did a lot of kids. Is is just my just parents
2: had that talk. God forbid. i they, I'm t- sure a they lot- chose my sister over me. So. Yeah, right.
4: I mean, a lot of parents it, raise it kids tracks, that are- Kevin.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> a lot of parents raise kids that are scumbags. I'm not going to give. If I have a scumbag kid, I'm not giving him. I'm not putting him in the will. My youngest or sister,
2: or, or I got two younger sisters. One actually gets some skin color, or uh, you know, some good son. Mm-hmm. My youngest looks like uncooked chicken, also. I guess my parents like you gotta give her some hope, you know. Just two two pale kids, it's not gonna work. I don't want another pale person to be my guardian, god forbid.
3: Yeah, I guess parents do eventually have favorites, especially if one's a scumbag, like Boyle just said. Makes it easier, I guess, to break down the will.
1: I love it, it's just like he's realizing that his children, not all of them are going to be good people. Yeah. So he's just like, well, again,
3: we he wants to have 19 of them. So it's just all the odds he's got of six all, in Vegas right now. Yeah. The odds <laughs> of all outcomes grow as the seed spreads more. That's the, the good and bad of the system of the idea.
4: Yeah. There's a, uh, there, there is a, a spectrum of the seed spreading, right? You're not going to get every, you're not going to get all perfection. Right, it's you're not, not going to get all pro athletes, and you're not going to get all nice people. No, it's indiscriminate. There's no
3: science here. You're not pick. You're not necessarily like vetting all of the mates. It just happens,
4: and you see where we go from there.
2: You're just rolling the dice, exactly. <laughs>
5: and like hopefully, Bogers, one who, loves
4: you. If you who would which kid would you put in the will right now? They would both. We'd be fifty-fifty
3: at this point. Neither one of them has 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 separated themselves, good or bad, over twelve and nine years, respectively.
4: Good answer. I'm yeah. sure your wife's very happy with you right now. Oh, they're not listening.
3: Hopefully, they're still <laughs> asleep. But if they are awake, they are certainly not listening to this show because it's got to be a some terrible kids' TV show is on this early in the morning in my house. Um, the NFL had two separate situations that maybe I'm wrong in connecting, but. I connect them, and I'm confused by how we got to both decisions. Saturday night, Patriots-Packers in Lambeau. We're early fourth quarter. Isaiah Bolden, rookie cornerback, playing defense for the Patriots. There's a pass to the left side of the formation. He collides with a teammate. Scary situation. Face down, motionless on the turf. Everybody comes out. Medical personnel rushes to him. Face mask off, immobilized on a stretcher. And off the field, he is taken to a hospital. He eventually checks out fine. I'm always amazed by this. He gets back to the team fast enough to have gone home with them on their scheduled flight. Everything is great. But in the moment, everything wasn't apparently great. And the game, preseason game, 10 minutes left. We're already on third, fourth stringers. Bill Belichick, Matthew Slater, Patriot player, Matt LaFleur, Packers head coach. Everybody agrees. Everybody agrees. No need to play the game anymore. The game is called off with 10 whatever left. Then we get to last night, and in a non-sneaky event, Hurricane Tropical Storm Hillary is rolling through the southwest towards the greater LA area. It's raining, it's wind, there's floods, there's storms, there's lightning, whatever, there's winds, and then... As the NFL continues to proceed towards playing last night's Chargers-Saints preseason game, Mother Nature, some other god of whatever, throws in an earthquake, a 5.0 earthquake in the L.A. area as this tropical storm hurricane is rolling through the area. And we're still playing NFL games last night at SoFi, which, don't forget, is actually not a closed venue. It has a roof. But it's technically an open-air stadium because the sides are open to the elements. Wind, rain, the weather can get in under the roof, in through all these openings. And this game goes off as planned. Now they played the whole thing. I hope people got home safely. Not everyone, thankfully, made the trip there. The NFL made the right decision on Saturday, or the Patriots and Packers made the right decision on Saturday. Last night, in a preseason game, it's the wrong decision. You can't ask, because the the thing that we forget about is the amount of people required to be at these venues for these events. It's not as simple as going, well, the Saints are there, the Chargers live there, they can just get there early and hunker down and play. It's not them. It's the ushers and the concession stand people and everybody else that goes into actually running the building Plus, when you play the game, unless you say we're not letting fans in, you're not necessarily forcing, but you're setting up the situation where people are going to get in their car or whatever, and I guess that's the only option there, get in the car, get an Uber, and go to the stadium in the middle of this storm, which can create problems that don't need to be created, where that's more cars out on the streets, there's more people traveling, Maybe they get stranded in a flooded road. Maybe there's an accident driving in bad conditions, and now emergency personnel are responding to that and not something else. You're spreading your your materials, your people, your personnel so thin, I, I can't believe that they played that game last night, especially because it's a preseason game and it just doesn't matter. And... Those two teams had just had back-to-back days of joint practices, so they had gotten some real work in. All of the front-line guys weren't going to play last night anyway. Nobody was desperate to get, you know, one on offensive one versus the top defense, any kind of reps like that. I, I just I sat there in mild shock all day as everyone kept going, no, they're still playing. Nope, they're still playing. Game's on. Game's on. And then at 7 o'clock, I got Noah Eagle and Dan Fouts talking to me from this game from SoFi, and there is crazy rain and storms, and they're like ninety minutes post earthquake. I don't I, well, I don't know if you were paying attention to. It. I don't know if you cared. I am not necessarily angry. I am just surprised that such a good decision was made on Saturday, and then yesterday so confusing to play an utterly meaningless game during a hurricane.
4: Uh, yeah i I am not surprised. Um, Regular season game, I get it. I mean, how, yeah, the earthquake was a five? Yeah. And, you, and that was, like, do we know how, like, did the stadium shake? Do we know how much it I actually believe impacted? I people felt it at so five, people that were already there, because it was probably three hours
3: pregame. So there were people already there that I believe felt it, yes. And it was a hurricane and an earthquake? Yeah, people, had, they're, they're, people were sharing the screenshots of their home screen, their phone, that had two different emergency service alerts. One about the earthquake to like literally say like get down, be safe and flash flood warning in this area for the next three hours.
4: I mean, well, we had to see what Easton Stick had, right? We got to know if he's QB2 in case Justin Herbert gets hurt. Yeah, I wasn't thinking
2: about Easton Stick. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) While Armageddon is happening in L.A. How about
4: the picture from Chavez Ravine, the Dodgers? The parking lot looked like the stadium was like, you know, maybe at another hour of rain away from being engulfed. So I saw that picture and I was waiting for like triple confirmation
3: that it was real because I, I got confused for a second and other people got really burned somebody shared that's
4: a fake picture.
3: no 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 that one i think is real but before i saw that one somebody had shared video from some kind of ride at universal that involves like flooding rushing water and said it was like this was happening at some like municipal building and and the, the comments were, that's, you know, Thunder Mountain, idiots, and other people going, hi, John, this is blah, blah, blah from KCBS. Can we please use this video? do You give us permission to use it on our newscast tonight. So, like, that, so after people getting burned by that one, I sat out the Dodger Stadium one. I sat out. But I wanted to, to share, because I, you know me and my weather people. There were so many people early yesterday, like ahead of the worst part of the storm, being like, this isn't that bad. Weather people are idiots. Why are we fear-mongering? This isn't that bad. And then Dodger Stadium was basically floating away yesterday <laughs> in like three or four inches of rain.
4: <laughs> I'm glad you sat that one out. Yes, I out sure. that one alone. That's Elon Musk's Twitter, man. Or X. You, you never. No, that predates him. And that, that is
3: th- true. That's the, 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 but now air-
4: the trolling has reached an all time high where you don't know what's real. You don't know. Somebody could post a photo of something that is real and it's from years ago. Right. So, uh, but yeah, no, I guess very scary. Um, hopefully there were zero casualties at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, it's like these, these phenomenons, these globe shaking or, you know, history affecting storms, you literally had an earthquake and a hurricane at the same time. Like, they're not going anywhere.
3: Well, They're not going away. No, but the double dip would have –
4: I don't know how I would handle that because I'm already – like, that – Well, so here you go. You're going to probably – I guarantee this, and I don't hope for it, but I just – knowing how the weather is and, you know, how you've got plenty of teams in Florida and you got a team in New Orleans that has already witnessed a major catastrophe in Katrina. Like, there's probably going to be a game this year during the NFL season where there's either – a hurricane or just torrential downpour, which I guess is a hurricane. Um, And there's going to be folks, there's probably going to be a good chance that the game should be canceled. And I doubt it will be because it's the NFL.
3: We've got like three storms, pre-hurricane things spinning right now in the Atlantic.
4: Yeah. There's only one sport bigger than a hurricane. It's the NFL. Although
3: they've, they have, I think they've seen the error of their ways in recent years. They now understand that it is okay to move a game either up a day or back a day if they have to. They were definitely pig-headed for a while.
4: You think COVID helped that?
3: Uh, I think COVID was kind of like the clincher. It already started before that, that they've realized that it's actually not the worst thing in the world to move a game and be smart and be safe. But, yeah, I mean, this and we're not even in peak hurricane season yet. Like that's still, I think, most of September is that. So, like, we're having begun dealing with this, and we've already had a preseason game played through the daily double of a hurricane and an earthquake.
4: I, I- thought hurricane season was over. <laughs> uh, when we come back,
3: we've got some house cleaning to do. I everything the first month of messy into Miami, which where we which is where we began the show, has been fantastic, exceeding all expectations to the positive. The first month of Miraz on the fan has exceeded all expectations to the negative. They're at warp speed, embarrassing themselves. Boyle at a a front row seat forward on Friday. We need to address it today. Further addressing next week when DA is here. But we can't wait that long. This happened on Friday. We'll address it next here on Monday morning, the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. We are back on the DA show. Hope you had a great weekend. Andrew Bogus in for DA all this week. Botcher, Boyle, Kevin Wall, all here. We'll got a Caserta, Peter Schwartz appearance during the week uh, coming up as well. In fact, two appearances a piece. We're going to alternate Schwartz and Caserta days after today. It's like because, the island
2: of misfit toys.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, and it's good because either one of them back to backs a lot, so you rotate them. In and out, you love them, then you miss them, then they're back the way it should be done. Boyle's got your headlines this morning. We've got a lot to do before we're done at 10 a.m. Eastern. Sounds of Saturday continues with the longtime voice of Tennessee football and men's basketball, Bob Kessling. Jared Dubin, NFL writer for CBSSports.com, is on the show as well. But right now, show on show crime. It's been warp speed down the hall They took our Shawnee. They wouldn't let him call himself Meraz, but they have out Mirazzed us when it comes to exploiting all that Sean is. He's eating cookies, stealing cookies from Giants linebackers. He's kind of asking tough questions of the Jets head coach. He may or may not have reported that Derek Jeter will be the next GM of the Yankees. If Brian Cashman's fired, he is clearly still the food guy the only thing he hasn't done yet is tap dance. He's been in full show pony mode for the last four weeks. A lot of it is whatever. But this one particular thing cannot continue. It just cannot. They all need to be better than this. And this is happening more than once, but it came up again on Friday. Boyle was there producing the show, so we watched this happen. This is Shawnee. It's Tom Gower. Is there anybody else who was on no, the show? No, I was Friday? in
4: for Lou Gower. So it was Sean. Oh. It was the normal host, Evan Roberts and Tiki Barber. Oh,
3: I didn't know that was a thing either. Since they actually have less of a concrete staff than we do these days.
4: Yeah. So no. Evan and Tiki
3: were there. Yeah, but the and full Sean show was, was there,
4: and I was filling in for the producer okay. slash board up, Tom Lou And then this conversation. Because Sean's not a producer anymore. Right. He's a third voice. So I had to do Talent. I had basically had to do thirty-five different responsibilities. And all Shawnee had to do was talk about how he doesn't take the SATs.
3: Which is where we pick things up from Friday's show on WFAN.
0: You go to community college first. You do not have to take the SATs. They will take your high school transcript. And the moment you transfer, if you've done two years at a community college, they no longer require SATs. They take your two years of your community college. What do you think
2: you would have made? I don't know. Wait, so did you not take it because you knew you were going to go to community college?
0: Yeah, and like me and my one buddy just like, it was, everybody was going on a Saturday morning. It wasn't our thing. We went to the bagel store instead. We skipped doing it. We were signed up for it. We skipped out. And I knew I was going to Suffolk Community College first. I was like, why do I need to take this? You know, there's only one answer to this. Uh, Boyle, can you do something for me? Please get on the phone and sign Sean up to take the
4: SATs. We'll go middle of October. We need to do this. Thank you. What's your date of birth? Stop it. <laughs> we're, we're getting, you gotta, we gotta 513.87. we got to create an account first. No,
2: I, I appreciate that. 513.87. If
0: anything, right. that makes it move, Like, you really need to do it because you were attempting to do Why it. Why do I need to do it? Just to know. So that when Tiki Barber says, and I thought it was beautiful, hey, I didn't do that well. I got an 1190. <laughs> and my heart drops because that's what I got. And, and you are like, about. I did great. I did 1190. Yeah.
6: yeah. I oh. about to brag I got an 1190. I don't
0: need that thrill, dude. I come I come in every day, I get to talk giant yankees, I, I eat, I pass gas, like I don't need to do the SATs.
3: It's a great idea for a bit. It really is. Which is why we already did it. This cannot be done. Tiki's better than this. Evan is better than this. The brand of WFAN is better than this. If they want to tackle this subject, they should just play the clips from this show when we already addressed the fact that Sean skipped out and never took the SAT. We've done this. We brought Chicken Pesto Lady here to proctor the exam. In fact, they can't do it specifically because we're not done doing it. If everybody will remember, we still, stupid DA, will still not give me the correct satisfaction of declaring Sean's score null and void. Because DA didn't know how to grade the messed up version of the SAT that we gave Sean. Got it all wrong. So Sean gets to sit here and puff his chest about a score that's completely invalid. And DA is still using words like might and maybe and could and should and would. He will not put his foot down and declare Sean legally dumb. Until he does that, it's really our bit. But even short of that, it's not their bit. And Sean says, because as you know, once this happened on Friday, there were texts flying amongst the group. Sean swears that he told them, guys, we can't do this. It's done. It's been done. I'm not doing it again. We did it on the network, and they just keep pushing forward with it. But they can't do this. This is our thing. It's already been done. It's already been done. It can't be as funny as Chicken Pesto Lady and Oliver Luck being here while Sean is sitting there taking the tea. And then all of the drama of DA's Facock degrading scale. And the huge fight we had after the fact. They can't even, they can't do it better than we did it. It happened, it feels like, two days ago on this show. And in the first month of their show, they're already like, hey, dummy, let's take the SAT. It's just, it's not possible. And Sean swears he's putting his foot down, and I only half believe him. But if they keep going with this, it is a mark on all of them for forever. I didn't steal audio from those French dudes at the tennis event in Cincinnati 13 years ago. (laughs) But this is straight lazy plagiarism. If they continue with this idea and that dude sits in a room and takes a test.
4: Journalistic integrity, Bogues. Yeah. I I appreciate it. Come on. I got to tell you this, though, man. If you have the girl who played Lucy Ball and you started a new show, are you not going to have somebody walk in the door and say, Lucy, I'm home? Right. You're going to do the same stuff. No, no. You're going to be creative. You're going to. If you had Kramer on a different show than Seinfeld, he's still going to walk in the door and Slap his hand down and flop no. his hair all over the place. That's, that's a show that you can't can't take the show out of the pony. You can take the pony out of the show. But what you can do is be creative. Do your own
3: things that still exploit the same principles. You could have fun with Sean not being book smart, for lack of a better term. You can You can play off that in many ways. You just can't make him take the SAT because we already did it two doors down. And I know nobody listens to the network, but a lot of people listen to the network those days and still listen to us and loved it. They just, they don't get this one. They want to make Sean run like he's Giancarlo Stanton. They want to have him yell at Carlos Rodon stickers outside of Yankee Stadium. Be my guest. You want him to eat some crazy ballpark food? Fine by me. But if he takes the SAT, they should all be ashamed of themselves. It's a hack move. Especially once they know it. It's okay that they didn't know it happened. But once they know it happened, move on. Pick something else. It's not yours, it's ours. And if Sean's a man, he'll eventually completely kill it. Say it can't be done but I unfortunately think that Sean's manhood will be overcome by the other dopes in the room, and they're going to keep pushing it forward and keep embarrassing themselves by sticking to this that was already done to near perfection by us. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing that they keep missing. Once DA figured Sean out, he stopped doing preconceived things with Sean. He just let Sean happen. Right, it just happened. Now, obviously, the SAT thing became a bit, but it's all of those things start from naturally Sean being Sean. These guys down the hall are just are, are right out of the gate. I mean, they are. They haven't even technically. This is all still a soft launch of their show. They've only done like eight actual full shows together so far. They're doing this month or six weeks, whatever it is. Like, to be fine-tuned for post-Labor Day when football season's here and the ratings matter again. So they're not even in to, like, this is, like, to use another Broadway reference this morning, this is, like, previews. This is not the real show. Their opening night is, like, the Tuesday after Labor Day. And they're already driving Sean in the ground by just rapid fire one after the other doing all of these tired, already-done bits. They should be better than that. This one makes me mad. This one can't happen. This one we need to take a stand on. I don't know exactly how DA feels, and I'm sure he will address it next week. Because I'm sure Actually, some combination of those guys are off this week. I think Sean's off this week, so maybe there will not be new SAT conversations this week for DA to work off of next week, but this will come up next week when he's back. And my guess is he's going to say similar things. That there are a handful of stuff that's ours that they can't have. And this is one of them. They shouldn't want this one. They shouldn't want to do what we've already done. But they are not going to relax on this one. This is going to be a fight. And sweet little Sean's in the middle of all of it.
4: And I love, you're not, you're not, uh, you're putting your foot down. You're not taking yeah, it lying down here. Come on. Because
3: I, I get it. Now, I, I still don't get why he can't be Mraz while they're making him be Miraz on the show. Like he can't call himself that, but he needs to act like that at all. I, that one I don't get in general. But specifically here, once I'm t- if if I was them and once somebody alerted me to the fact that oh, no, we I, I already did the SAT bit, okay then I'm moving on. I'll think of something new, something new. if we want to have fun with you not knowing things, there's other ways to do that. Play Jeopardy. I mean any lame other, any other lame idea, Sean will be Sean and it'll work. But you can't do the things that we did, especially because when we did it, it was one of the it's one of the all time storylines in the show's history, and it still hasn't been even resolved yet. Don't forget that part either, because Da can't man up himself and say he was wrong, and Sean's score sucks. <laughs> but yeah, I'm 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 here for this fight. I'm here for this fight, and they should just be more creative pick their own thing to make fun of Sean's idiocy because it's funny but there's other ways to do it 855-212-4CBS 855-212-4227 phone lines always open for you you can tweet us at Andrew Bogish at CBS Sports Radio Uh, we'll close out this hour with pre-Djokovic and Alcaraz the best thing I saw on TV yesterday but right now headlines here's Boyle
4: all right we start with baseball. Last night, you had the Little League Classic in Williamsport. The Nationals surviving a three-run, ninth-inning attempted comeback from the Phillies. D.C. holds on to take the rubber game 4-3. to three. Phillies still the top team in the NL wildcard standings, but they lose their grip by a game on the teams directly below them. Some of the other bigger scores uh, from yesterday. The Red Sox sweeping the Yankees 6-5 in a back-and-forth affair. Justin Turner, a three-run home run to put the Sox up in the seventh inning. Then he delivered a go-ahead RBI double in the ninth inning. There was an overturned call at the plate. This was a wild one. When the dust settled, the Yankees have now lost eight games in a row for the first time since 1995. And get this, the Red Sox ain't much better. These two teams, they were in the, the cellar of the AL East. I mean, two once-proud franchises. You had the team basically giving like a, uh, a champagne shower for Alex Cora after the game. Did you, you know, see this? And this is this is my
3: new um, anger with the Mets and their bleep show of the season. If the Mets had even a shred of normalcy this year, of decency, that I could enjoy the Yankees falling apart. Yeah. But I can't. can't. Because the Mets are worse. I can't say the Yankees are four games under five hundred. I think they're nine back of a wild card spot. I believe so. Their managers having powwows with ownership this weekend. The Red Sox rolling through the stadium. And I can't say a peep because the Mets are worse. Because the Mets are worse. I get, the Yankees are finally crumbling, and I can't even enjoy that because the Mets won't let me.
4: Correct. And afterwards, you had Alex Cora. Again, after basically as if they won the division... Uh, you, guys, yeah, you know, we, we can't get too caught up. Yeah, and the Red Sox are still three games out of the final wild card spot. Speaking of Houston, uh-oh, a little trouble for them. Swept yesterday at the hands of the Mariners, who now have won six in a row. And they're only a half game back at Houston. Eugenio Suarez with a big two-run home run. Um, not good times right now for the Houston Astros either. Other of the big scores, the Giants held on. To beat the Braves 4-3, Jock Peterson with a bases loaded walk in the ninth as they take down the Braves. And where are the Padres? I had them loaded up here. What an idiot. The Padres played who? They were home this weekend, right? I don't think the Padres. Oh, no, they didn't play yesterday. They
3: played two Saturday to get away from the storm. Yeah,
4: Yeah, that was what I had. The Padres played two games on Saturday. They did not play yesterday. And the Blue Jays crushed The Reds, 10-3. Five home runs in that game. Brandon Belt had two of them. All right, NFL news from a busy week two of preseason. The scariest moment of the weekend that unfortunately evoked memories of DeMar Hamlin was what happened Saturday night in Green Bay between the Patriots and Packers. Patriots rookie corner Isaiah Bolden was immobilized, placed on a stretcher after absorbing a hit from a teammate. The game was suspended in the fourth quarter. Good news, Isaiah Bolden is out of the hospital he has all the feelings in his extremities. He's going to be okay. Um, and as a result, the Patriots had planned to fly to Tennessee on Sunday where they were scheduled to have two practices with the Titans before their preseason finale. They've canceled those. So
3: I'm going to ask this to Jared Dubin when he joins us uh, next hour here on the show. But I'll ask you now. Do do you think when they canceled the two practices that they thought things were worse? Like, why? because they did it. Instantaneously, like they the announcement was he's in the hospital, he's under evaluation, and we're not going to Tennessee now, we're just gonna go home.
4: Yeah, I do they wonder... think
3: something was really wrong, or do they just think that okay, that was a scare? Let's go back and be safe and just practice amongst ourselves and avoid any kind of extra contact. Yeah, I,
4: I think these joint practices, for the most part, it's good for the competition, it gets guys fired up that they're not beating the crap out of their own teammates right. on, a, on a daily basis. But then again, like you you don't have joint practices during the season before you mm. play a team, obviously on a Sunday. So if you're worried about guys you know potentially getting injured, and I've you know, if you watch the Jets hard knocks, there's a lot of fights and skirmishes yeah. that are going on in these joint practices. It feels like more than usual. Maybe it's just we're hearing about them more and more and more with social media and now well, there's more I, the practices have definitely gone
3: up because they lost a preseason game. I think there's more of them now. Yes. So there's more fighting. I feel
4: like you only maybe had one week where you were doing a joint practice. It feels like they've been doing joint practices now the entire preseason leading up to a game. But now we've had
3: a handful of arrangements cut from two days to one. And then somebody again last night, the Texans and somebody, killed their joint practices this week. They're just going to play their game at the end of the week. So now we're having the uptick in them. And now they seem to be too much. And we're kind of resetting back to maybe just one, if any.
4: Yeah, and I and I think obviously you know with how scary everything was with Demar Hamlin last year and the trauma that that probably imposes on one of these players to see that happen like deja vu all over again on Saturday night, uh, I I think that you, you kind of just need like a couple of days to reset and football by nature is a barbaric sport the, the collisions like this are going to keep happening I think we can. Cross our fingers and hope that nothing like DeMar Hamlin ever happens again. But we almost got a repeat of it. Just, you know, not even a, like, we're not even, we haven't even started the next season. Right. And we are lucky that Isaiah Bolden is out of the hospital already and all that stuff. So, you know, again, it can happen any play in any game on any Sunday, the 17 weeks that we have them, 18 weeks. Uh, but I think, yeah, it was probably just, all right, out of precaution, give these guys a couple days to reset, get their minds away from things before we plunge right back into it in another couple of days here. Um, elsewhere, sources confirmed Aaron Rodgers is going to make his Jets debut Saturday against the Giants in the preseason finale. Rodgers has participated in every training camp practice, but has not stepped foot on the field in any of the Jets' preseason games so far. They played the Buccaneers on Saturday. You had Tim Boyle doing the family name proud. He had a couple of nice drives I was watching. Um but I I don't I don't get this one, Bogues. The Jets play the Giants during yes. the season this year. Yeah. Week eight. So it's not like it's at the end of the year. Rodgers, again, 39 years old. I get it. You want to get him in sync with the offense. Is him playing a quarter against a Giants pass rush that has looked pretty good so far really going to do anything for you?
0: Yeah,
3: I mean... You're
4: you're, you're really only... There's only
3: negatives that I feel can come out of this. Unless he, for some reason, wants to play. But he hasn't played a preseason game since 2018. And you're right. This is a weird one. They, They want this to be a dress rehearsal and play maybe the whole first half. But the theme right now for the Jets is fixing their offensive line. And you can't put him back there and have Kayvon Thibodeau run him over and hurt him in a preseason game. Whether they're meeting again in the regular season or not... I, I to me the list is longer and longer every summer but Rodgers has been on it for a while he just he just doesn't play preseason if I was in charge he just doesn't but I, they I, I'm not they're not me
4: I agree one more quick thing Sean McVay Rams coach said that Cooper Cup will be returning to practice this week again Cup missed most of the end of last year with a the leg injury and really quickly to pivot to golf Brooks Kepka going to need help to compete for the United States in the upcoming Ryder Cup he was I uh, did not lost out on the automatic Ryder cup berth um, Cause he's not among the six automatic qualifiers who made the U S team after the BMW championship that finished yesterday, by the way, Victor Hovland hmm. won that one yesterday and a great finish with Scotty Shuffler uh, really quickly to finish up here, a little tennis. We talked about it last hour, chapter four between world number one, Carlos Alcaraz and the 23 time grand slam champion, Novak Djokovic first meeting since the epic final at Wimbledon where Alcaraz won in five sets the Joker played his cards well last night. Coming back from a set and break down, saved the championship point in the second set tiebreak, battled through dehydration and exhaustion, and won a final set tiebreak as well to outlast Alcaraz and win the Cincinnati Masters title in a three-hour and 50-minute classic. Earlier yesterday, 19-year-old Coco Goff took another massive step forward in her career, winning her first Masters title yesterday, taking out Carolina Muhova. In straight sets. We've got some sound from Coco that we can hear next hour, but not enough time for that. Uh, Finally, 24 (laughs) hours ago at this point, Spain won the Women's World Cup with a 1-0 victory over England yesterday. I know you're going to talk more about their coach and the drama, um, but how about this, though, for polar opposite feelings? If you're Olga Carmona, she scored the game-winning goal for Spain in the final. Then hours after the game, learned that her father passed away. A Spanish spokesperson for the team reported her father had been battling an illness for a long time, actually passed on Friday. So the final was Sunday night, Australia time. So that's pretty depressing because you think of, okay, his final hours were spent watching his daughter make history for the country. Uh, no, didn't, didn't even make it to Sunday. Morbid stuff. And
3: after she scored, she lifted her jersey and showed a T-shirt with writing on it. And then after the game explained that it was a tribute to her friend's mom who just passed away. Yeah. And she played that game not knowing that her dad had died too. It, yeah. Awful.
4: Uh, not to bring religion into it, but I mean, another reason why God or a higher power doesn't exist. You know, God couldn't give her dad two day, two more days? Huh? Couldn't help him last two more days to watch his daughter make history? Come on!
3: It's an early trash Tuesday for you. You're trashing yeah, God. it's
4: a scam. It's a scam.
3: Nah, that's all I got. Religion. More of that next. And plus the Little League World Classic. Uh, it was amazing yesterday. All the good feels. That's next. The DA show on CBS Sports Radio. Morning as well. Plus Kevin Wall and Ryan Botcher. It's a busy, fun hour that begins with our college football preview. It continues. It's Sound of Saturday.
0: The DA Show counts down the days until the electricity of college football season returns with the game's greatest voices. He to go
4: deep. He's hanging one long. And he's got a man! Oh, oh! Touchdown! I don't believe it! Uh, it is tipped off. And hey, Lewis is going
2: on. Lewis is going to score! Lewis is going to score! Lewis is going to score!
5: 10, 5, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Dolphs win it. We're headed to Atlanta.
2: sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college
0: football. It's the Sounds of Saturday, every morning on CBS Sports Radio.
3: And on this morning, the Tennessee Volunteers are in our crosshairs after an 11-win season. Their most since 0-1, preseason number 12 are these Vols and the longtime voice of the program, as well as Tennessee's men's basketball program is Bob Kessling, and he is good enough to join us here on this Monday morning. Bob, it's Andrew Bogues. A pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much for the time this morning.
5: We do appreciate and, it. Andrew, thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you.
3: And since 99, Bob, you've had this job. You know that. But I didn't know that you were a, a, a walk-on player at Tennessee, and then you basically never left. So you've been living and breathing Vols football for a really long time.
5: Yeah, I was uh, on the freshman team in 72. I was a fullback at Coach Philip Fulmer was a graduate assistant on that freshman coaching staff, and he uh, kept encouraging me to broaden my horizons, which was a subtle way to tell me I needed to do something other than play football, so I was able to do that, and uh, I I became a a spotter for John Ward while I was in college, so I sat next to him for 15 years and and, uh, was a local TV uh, sportscaster, then was able to luckily get on with Jefferson Pilot, which is what is now the SEC network. And I did that for 10 years and doing games there. And then when John uh, announced his retirement, I was fortunate enough that they named me as his replacement. So yeah, I've been around here since 72. So I've seen a lot of Tennessee football in those times.
3: You've seen a lot of good Tennessee football, and then you were here for the more recent lean-ish years. So what has this Josh Heupel turnarounds, what's the most been, been the most enjoyable part for you, I should say, over the last couple of years?
5: You know, through the years, you kind of observe head coaches and um, these these SEC jobs, and I'm just not saying at Tennessee, but these SEC jobs can get away from you because there's so much. you got to be the CEO, and it's, it's just a pressure-packed position. When Josh Heupel took this job over, it was not too big for him. You could tell that. He was prepared to be a head coach. Uh, his dad, of course, was a coach, so he grew up around it. And uh, he came in with only about 63 scholarships because of all the problems that Tennessee had had. And he didn't moan and groan about it and say, what's well, going to take us three or four years to get the roster we stocked. He said, these are our guys. We're going to coach them up. We're going to be confident with them. And, and from the very start, I mean, I don't I don't think I've ever heard Josh Heifel say one negative thing about anything, uh, any of his players or anything about the program. It's always been positive. We're going to do the best we can, go to a bowl game the first year. And then in the second year, he went with this NCAA uh, probe hanging over its head. He gets Tennessee to number one in the country. So uh, it's been quite a remarkable job by Josh Heifel. And I think uh, he was ready for the challenge, and he's accepted the challenge. And the, the challenge here has not been too big for him. So his
3: mind, his playbook are still there, but the quarterback's gone, two wide receivers are gone. How much, like last year's offense, will this year's unit look like?
5: It'll look the same. I mean, he... Uh, he gets guys that he thinks can fit his system. Joe Milton, uh, you know, one advantage I think Tennessee has this year is that they not only know who their quarterback is, they know who the backup is, too. Nico Iamaliava has come in as a freshman and one of the top freshman quarterbacks in the country, but there's never been a competition. Uh, I mean, I, I think that Nico would love to be able to play this year, but it's Joe Milton's job. Uh, he's a guy that started his career at Michigan, came to Tennessee, and uh, got beat out by Hendon Hooker, and uh, but didn't leave. Didn't wasn't a problem. He didn't go around threatening to go into the transfer portal of any of that. He just stayed around and uh, got better as a quarterback. He's got a the, one of the strongest throwing arms I think anybody's ever seen in college football. He can gun it seventy or eighty yards. So uh, he's a guy who's waited his turn. He's he's matured. He and Hendon Hooker were roommates, so that tells you how close they were. And uh, so I think Joe has waited his turn. I think he's ready for it, and it's going to be really interesting to see. And I think most people believe that Tennessee will go as far as Joe Milton takes them this year, but uh, they've got some receivers back, and Ramel Keaton and Brew McCoy and Squirrel White, and they've added a transfer in from Oregon, uh, Deontay Thornton, which uh, he's a big, talented, fast, wide receiver. So they think the wide receiver room is very well stocked. And they've got a guy that can throw it a mile, and uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see how far they stretch defenses. I I would sure I'm sure there are a lot of defensive backs that uh, are not exactly very excited about seeing uh, all the the weapons that Joe Milton's going to have this year.
3: So as far as Milton goes specifically, we had one analyst say he's the best quarterback in America. I saw him as the number one most important player or most crucial player in America this year. Um, do those things sound like hyperbole to you? Or without putting too much pressure on him, is he that significant to the Vols for here in 2023?
5: Well, I think he's significant in the fact that, uh, uh, you know, he's a guy that they're all pointing to. This is Joe's team, and everybody's looking for leadership for him. And uh, one thing that, that, that he has to do is take care of the football. Josh Heupel keeps stressing to guys that when you're the quarterback, the best thing you can do, is have either do one or two things, have the ball when the play is over or have a touchdown. And that's kind of the way he approaches things. He does not stand for turnovers. And so Joe Milton's got to take care of the football and Joe Milton's got to make the accurate throws in this offense. If you read your check downs, there's going to be somebody open and you just have to find them and get them the ball. And, and a touch on the ball has been a question for Joe Milton during his previous career, but he uh he's he look he's looked good he looked good last year he looked great in the bowl game and he's looked good in in spring practice and in camp so far there's no reason to believe that he hasn't made those adjustments and yes i think he's a very very key element to this tennessee team and its success this year
3: and he's an old man right is this year six yeah. in college for him yeah.
5: six years yeah he uh, uh he, he went to michigan for three years he uh came to tennessee and uh was the, uh, in fact, he came in fall camp, I guess. And Hendon uh, Hooker was already here, just came in from Virginia Tech. And they brought Joe Milton in on top of him. And he beat out Hendon Hooker in fall camp. And then he got banged up a little bit uh, during the first couple of games. And Hendon Hooker came in and just, just won the job. So, again, it's been a great story uh, for the fact that he has been in college football for a long, long time, but he, he has been a team leader. Uh, I think the the players saw the fact that he could have been a malcontent mm. when he wasn't playing, but he wasn't. And he was a great teammate, and he, he pushed. He was trying to get back on the field, so he was pushing Hendon Hooker in practice. So it was a really unbelievable relationship, the two guys have, and they still talk all the time. So when Hendon got hurt, uh, you know, hurt his knee in the South Carolina game, and couldn't play in the bowl game, he was still there in Miami and was with Joe every single day watching film and going over the game plan and checks and all those type things. So their relationship has been pretty remarkable.
3: Bob, if Joe Milton's number one in terms of importance for Tennessee, what's number two on the list of things that have to go their way to repeat the success of last year?
5: The defense has got to get better on uh, creating turnovers and getting teams off the field. They've got to get the ball back for the offense. They've addressed some of those issues. They've gone out and and, uh, gotten some transfers in the defensive line and at linebacker. They've got a, they've got a lot of secondary players that have played a lot of football, but they're still trying to get some stability back there. Jalen McCullough is is a rock solid and they've got a couple of other guys that have played in the secondary, but they've got to force more turnovers. I I don't think there's any question about that. And that's, that's something they've stressed. And uh, they want to get the ball back for their offense because they think they can, Uh, you know, put points up against everybody. But the defense has got to get off the field. The You know, the head shaker last year, Tennessee was basically in a position to make the college football playoffs, and then they go to South Carolina and give up 63 points, and nobody saw that coming. So they can't afford one of those games again this year. The defense has to be much more consistent, and I I think that's something they've really concentrated on.
3: I was going to ask you about South Carolina. because you look at the schedule for the Vols this year, they got to go to the Swamp. They got to go to Alabama. Georgia comes to you, but that South Carolina game late September—how badly does the fan base want that one for pseudo revenge from last year?
5: Oh, it's circled. Don't question. No question about that. It's that left some, the really deep wounds last year. Nobody saw that coming. I don't. The Tennessee team, Josh Heupel, didn't see that coming. South Carolina just Spencer Rattler. Those guys—they just played great. They made every single throw. But yeah, that's an important game. But. You know, here at Tennessee, it's, it still comes back to each season to the, the big three, Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. And the Georgia game this year uh, is at the end of the season. It's in November. And so that's a change. It's usually earlier in the season, either late September or early October. And uh, can you imagine if both of those teams are undefeated going into that game? Holy smokes. That would be unbelievable. But there's a lot of football to be played between now and then, but... Uh, um, you know, Tennessee, I think has. I think Tennessee goes into the season with confidence that they're going to be uh, – they have a chance to win every single game on the schedule. Now, whether they do that or not, that's how they execute, and that's probably how Joe Milton plays. But they really believe that they have a chance to win every single game this year.
3: Do we know why that Georgia game is late? Any particular reason or just a, a scheduling quirk?
5: I don't know. Uh, you know, they won't tell you why why they changed things around, whether it was for TV or whether just the way that the things played out and, uh, the non-conference schedules and all those type things. I don't know, but I think it's very intriguing. You know, usually in November, Tennessee's playing Ole Miss, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Uh, that's been usually the schedule for years. Uh, and now suddenly you, you throw a Georgia in the mix in November, which is going to be high drama, I think. Yeah. If both teams have as good a season as both teams are predicted to have,
3: Bob. Last question: a nerdy broadcasting question. Which SEC stadium has the best broadcast location slash view?
5: Uh, you, well, our position at Neyland Stadium is hard to beat. We're on the fifty-yard line, and so that's not bad. LSU's got a good uh, location. Um, you know, a lot of places are moving you to the end zone yeah. and type things, and flipping you to the other side. I will say this: Auburn has the absolute worst in <laughs> in, in in captivity. The, you are behind the goalpost in the south end zone, and of course, you know. So you, you got to look and see if you got a you know somewhere. See where the ball is, and of course, then the the jumbotron is above you, so you can't even use that to, to spot the ball. So Auburn's the worst, and LSU's good. I mean, most of them are pretty good, but Auburn is absolutely the worst.
3: I um for my my friends that work NFL games I can't believe when they share pictures working out of the corner of a stadium I don't know how you do radio from that vantage point it's almost it's almost impossible.
5: Well, it's 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 really unfair because yeah. you you have no depth perception and you can't and if if the ball is at the other end zone, I mean we're usually where the worst seats in in the stadium upper deck end zone. Well, yep. that's where they're putting broadcasters now. And and so it's really hard to to do it, but you know what, you manage it and the people that are listening to the games, they don't care. Nope. They don't care if it's hot, they don't care if you can't see or if you had a bad lunch or if you had parking <laughs> problems getting to the stadium. They they just want to know what how their teams doing and what the score is and uh, that's all they care about. So you, you you suck it up and you do the best you can with the situation you got.
3: Well, I'm certainly glad the Vols are their fans are enjoying things right now. It's better when you guys are good. So, Bob, uh, safe travels. Good luck this season. Thanks so much for joining us today. We really do appreciate it.
5: Hey, thanks. Until DAS at home,
3: uh, of course I will. That's Bob long longtime voice of the Tennessee Vols football and men's basketball. Was the voice of the women's basketball team when Pat Summit won her first four or five or six NCAA titles. Bob, uh, as I said, has is a Tennessee lifer. Does a tremendous job. What a voice. Uh, What a season last year and setting up for another one here this year. Like he said, uh, out goes Hooker, out goes Tillman, out goes Hyatt. Some wide receivers step up. Joe Milton takes over, and it's a hard act to follow. They were the number one offense in all the important categories a year ago, pre-handed Hooker's torn ACL. Um, That's the way Josh Heupel wants to do it. Can they get back to number one across the board? That I don't know, but this is going to be another dynamic unit. And as Bob said, if they can play, defense It's a little bit better than last year. That'll make them that much better this year. And that's always the problem. High scoring offenses mask the defense. They make the job harder, but also, but also sometimes easier, but you can hide things like Tennessee last year. Time of possession was only like 25 minutes of where they had the ball. So a, that's putting the defense out there a lot. B you score all those points when you're out there so the defense is going back on the field. Now they're they're tired. But they're facing a de- an offense that is throwing it, whipping it, going fast, trying to catch up. It's a lot to ask of a defense. You don't need an all-world D when you have an offense like this, but you need one that's above average. And last year times, and Bob mentioned particular categories like sacking the quarterback and taking the ball away, they just weren't good enough. If those things change this year and the offense is, I don't know, 90% of last year, That Vols-Georgia game on November 18th is going to be a huge game across the country. We thank again Bob Kessling, the voice of Tennessee, for joining us. And again this week, Penn State, Florida State, USC, and Oregon all on the docket for Sounds of Saturday. Right now, a timeout. We'll come back. Stunned to a news finally after this on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks again to the voice of Tennessee football, Bob Kessling, for joining us for Sounds of Saturday here on this Monday morning little more than well, two weeks of shows left to get you set for the college football season. Although there'll be games before we are done with all our previews. Um, and as was pointed out, our French was lacking last hour. Um, I believe we settled Boyle and I on coup d'etat, which meant that, um, that basically there had been an insurrection and we had overtake, overthrown a leader. A coup de grace is what we were looking for with, Putting the you know, the the icing on the cake, the cherry on top of Sounds of Saturday with next week's guests.
4: So we uh we were
3: the, almost there.
4: And I knew that, because that was like one of the vocab words that I learned in high school that was is for whatever reason burned in my memory. Yeah. And it's the D apostrophe, E T A yeah. T. Coup de I mean you said and it correctly. It. So that's a that was the first plus. Okay. I didn't say coup de tat. Exactly, because others would have. So you at least got that going for you. You know what I didn't get right? Because we'll get to stun to new the news here shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were going to do uh, a woman slipping on a piece of prosciutto until I realized that Carlos and Greg and Peter Schwartz did that on Friday. Yes. Right. We'll, have, we'll have a different uh, stun coming up shortly. But you know what I also I realized I didn't get right? Intern Anna, I was calling her Emma the entire summer.
3: Oh, and see, I I think I called her Hannah at first.
1: <laughs> you guys are... What? Didn't like ask. She didn't well, hold, you? well, hold on there, Botch. Okay, slow Easy your roll. I
4: was told at first, her probably, and her name was Anna. And then somewhere along the line, I might have called her Emma. I was never corrected. She never corrected me. So apparently, she was working on the show on Friday. That was her final show. Yeah. And they asked her about her experience, and I the DA show quotes page, DA on CBS quotes, I believe it is. Yeah. Had her saying, you know, Pat's a nice guy, but for the for literally the last several weeks he's been calling me emma and interns need to
2: have name tags intern anna
4: let's just be how do you not speak up i mean am i that intimidating i'm calling you the wrong name for the entire summer you
3: know say hey by the way my name's anna i don't know if i'm an intern and i'm in a room when i was an intern in boston radio i don't know that i would have corrected guys right away if they were calling me something other than andrew
2: i mean i was calvin for my intern (laughs) my name was literally calvin with a c
3: yeah when
4: did you say, hey, my name's Andrew? Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I inter- That's your
3: name, dude. I, I interned with, like, the Mike and Mad Dog of Boston Radio, the mor- morning show on WEI, and I probably would have let them call me whatever they needed to. I don't know if I would have corrected them. Really? Yeah. And I was going into my senior year of college, so I was like, and Hannah, Anna, Emma, I think she's <laughs> on the younger side, too, so, like, that would have precluded me from from saying something. So I kind of get that. Now, I, I don't... I hope I never actually said Hannah clearly to her, but I think I thought her name was Hannah for a while. And then it's Anna. Brooke, I always had a handle on, except when I walked in one morning and former intern Amanda said, hey, Andrew, have you met the intern Brooke? And I was like, what time warp am I in? She's literally the last time I saw Brooke, I had said to her, you must almost be done with this, right? It's almost time to go back to school. The next morning, Amanda's introing me to her like she's brand new, and I'm like Amanda. She's been here the entire summer. What did I, is everything okay? So I, interns here apparently just stand in the back and we pay no attention to them,
4: or just stay on their phone. That? <laughs> now did, I have
2: picked up on that.
3: <laughs> that. That that remains my well. You missed this. The Sean's final show. Yeah. So four hours of jokes, tears speeches, special guests, his parents were here.
5: Mm
2: -hmm.
3: It was an amazing four hours. My favorite part is intern Anna, sitting in that chair behind you, never once in four hours of, again, emotions, whatever, looked at her phone the entire time. Nothing made her laugh. Nothing made her smile. Nothing grabbed her attention. It was like none of it was happening. It was remarkable.
2: I can't wait to get back to college. I can't believe I have to be up at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm I'm getting a couple bucks here. I'm just going to zone out.
3: Did I get a mention? Wait in a this? minute, a couple bucks? They got paid? That's what I heard. I think they have to now. I think that was the thing. I think that's a... We, the company, not, you know, earmuffs. I think CBS as a whole was one of the places that got sued for, like, mistreating or overusing interns, which is why we didn't have—this might predate you—we didn't have interns for a while because then the company had an actual legal battle, and now the whole thing has changed. I think they get something. So that was—I thought it was COVID. It might just be, like, a travel stipend, but they do get something. It's not just, like, indentured servitude anymore.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as they should. They should be paid. Interns should be paid. I was just in shock because any internship I had, well, that's not sure I was paid.
2: I wasn't. I had to deliver did, pizzas at night, just to get to just to get to the city.
4: Yeah. Wow. When I did an internship with the Somerset Patriots, they were an independent team. Now they're the Yankees' AA affiliate. That was technically an internship, and I was paid for that. So I guess I. Yeah, I. I, I did not get too
3: shocked. I did not get paid in Boston. I just had to write a month. Like I was there for six weeks. I had to write once a week, like a journal entry. That a communications professor looked at what I had done, checked it off, and I got full class credit
4: for that. So your parents basically had to pay for your entire six week stay there. No, um, we stayed.
3: I was actually I was already dating my wife at that point. We stayed in an off campus apartment, like us and six friends. the The actual tenants went home for the summer. We took them took the lease over, and I was still getting paid to work for the Fordham radio station. And I had a regular job in Boston for a focus group company, cold calling people, asking them to come in and sit in the focus groups. That sucked. But that's how I got money that summer, to pay for me getting back and forth on buses and trains and cabs, early morning WEI shifts. So did did Anna say anything nice about me on Friday? I it's don't not, know. Is it, boss, it you was were working pre- on was, the show, weren't you? It,
1: it, it was a pretty bland interview, okay, to say the least. Okay she's Excellent. going she's going to Spain okay to do radio there sure.
3: communications
1: there so okay that's interesting other than that it was very uh ah uh,
4: right and um, that's and that's coming from botch right uh, he's a very quiet guy himself right yeah yeah I, not that you're bland you're just you're quiet
1: it it was qu- it was a quiet interview i had i had her mic on like the maximum possible sounding and it was still very quiet
4: <laughs>
3: yeah hence how we get to Anna, Hannah, and Emma.
4: Right? Yeah. And not once, not once in the you know, go me going out of, not, not that not to sound like entitled here that she should be saying hi to me, but like, you know, I'm like, oh, when she walks in, wanna hey, make Emma. sure she feels welcome. <laughs> hey Emma, how you doing? And I just get hi. Not once, say hey, it's Anna. Yeah. Just tell me your name.
3: No, I definitely made the choice to not say her name because I wasn't sure if it was Anna or Hannah. So I'd just say good morning or how are you or whatever. Or just a wave. (laughs) I just left the name alone, so I didn't. And
4: I feel like I'm pretty decent with names. Imagine, like, I don't know. I don't think D.A. knew any of their names. I don't think he was here for (laughs) them.
3: He was here three times, maybe. I'm pretty sure that one of them said it would have been nice to meet D.A., did Brooke, maybe Brooke did an Brooke action dropped interview a great too? quote.
4: She was like, he was the most unpredictable because she never knew when yeah. he was going to be here. Yeah, so she got it. I
3: mean, he wasn't. He was here for like four shows. Neither one of us has done anything like normal for the last five or six weeks. And don't forget, once we hire a new Sean, then Pete disappears for like four months of paternity.
2: I and mean, then this place is ridiculous. There's no place like it. Really, not even a little bit. Like, when I tell people, like, dude, <laughs> th- sometimes it's like Disneyland. There's too many characters that work yeah. in this place.
3: And, I mean, I've only worked in radio, and I was at Sirius for a long time before here. And it's close to this, but it's not this. There's There was oversight at Sirius. There, <laughs> there isn't always oversight here. Like, this morning, we walked in at 5-whatever, and the previous show is like, yeah, we've been on and off the air for the last hour, so good luck. The rest of the place, silent. You'd think there'd be lights going off, things buzzing, phone calls being made. Yeah, okay.
2: Sometimes it, it feels like it's March 2020 when you walk into the newsroom at 5 o'clock it's in the morning.
3: There's also that, too. were um, we going to do sports here? Oh, I haven't told you yet, because I'm a good host. Uh, we do have a poll question today. It has been up at CBS Sports Radio. There still is some time to answer it before our epic fail and advanced analytics to close out the hour. Uh, Coming off our earlier suntan conversation, we're asking you what's the best summer look? Spray tan, Wall's uncooked chicken skin, or sunburn red like a lobster. Those are your choices at CBS Sports Radio. You're welcome in advance. Why don't we do headlines and stunts here, Boyle? You ready? Sure, I'm ready. Fire away, man.
4: All right, last night, Nationals beat the Phillies 4-3 in the rubber game at the Little League World Classic in Williamsport. I still really haven't touched on some of the biggest baseball news, though, from the weekend. Maybe the biggest was our friends from Seattle, the Mariners, going to Houston and sweeping the Astros for the first time since 2018, capping it with a thrilling 7-6 win yesterday. Not only is it a six-game win streak for the M's, they jumped over the Blue Jays for the third and final AL wildcard spot. And how about the weekend or the week Julio Rodriguez had for himself, one of the greatest weeks ever seen in the sport? He only had one hit in yesterday's win, but the four games before that, J-Rod broke a major league record with 17 hits in a four-game span. 17. You know when that record was set? 1925. You want to know the incredible name of who held the record? Oh, uh, I hope
3: it's like Bam Bam Johnson. It
4: wasn't Smedley Hoover. It wasn't Damn. Pebbles Dunkerson. It Was, was it Buttercup Dickinson? It, it wasn't Buttercup Dickinson. It Ugh. was the real-life name of Milt Stock. <laughs> okay. Milt Stock of the Brooklyn Robins. Um, <laughs> Julio raised his average this late in the season. We're 125 games in. And in a four-game span, he raised his average from 256 to 278. He's been ridiculous since the all-star break. Yep. Here he was after the game yesterday. What's, uh, Hey, what's been working for you, pal? But I never even, I never hit in college. I only pitched, but I just remember in high school when you're in a hot streak, man, it literally, the ball does look like a beach ball. Like it looks like everything you swing (laughs) waiting
3: for my first hot stretch.
4: (laughs) It looks everything you swing at it. You are thinking you're going to rip one in the gaps or right up the middle and when you have 17 hits in a four-game span, I can't even imagine the kind of confidence he was going up there with. I was such a bad hitter
3: that I remember a foul ball that I hit because it was so well hit down the left field line <laughs> that I actually thought it had a chance of being a home run. That's how crappy <laughs> of a hitter I was. That on my top five hits in my lifetime, one of them is a long, dangerously close to the foul pole foul ball. So, I got nothing on Julio having 17 hits in four days in the big leagues.
4: Kevin Wall might be the most informed hitter uh, in this entire room is right now. True? He that had is that true? That is know Inside the park home run in the celebrity uh, softball game for our affiliates down the hall. You know, I me- I've meant to ask you this, Walling. I've seen you since then. The story I heard
2: was that you kind of invited yourself to that game. I was not. Inv- I did not invite myself. Okay. I was doing the overnight that night. And I was producing for uh, Keith McPherson on the other side. And we were talking about it, and he was like, do you plan on showing up? And I'm like, you know, I'm actually off in the evening. So I was invited by Keith. Okay. And then I was just hanging
4: out, and they're like, do you want to play? So that was it. Uh, Hey, opportune time. You got picked up right at the deadline, and you, you roped one down the right field line. Exactly. So I didn't invite myself. Okay. I I <laughs> there I, was a lot of chatter about how to Kevin yes. Wall get in that game. I'm am going to be honest. Yeah. I, I know. I so know. I mean the story. Hey, that, you, you don't listen to the haters, man. You you showed up and you proved. Hey, I should I be. Put my That's all that matters. On and right, cause, I hit
3: one because guess what? I didn't play. I wanted to play in the game. I told him I would play. I didn't play. You went and you played. It's like a it's like the Schwartz method. Schwartz <laughs> gets things because he asks for stuff. Now at times, it's shameless <laughs> and embarrassing. <laughs> But it pays off in the end. Like, I guarantee you, I'd bet money that the Red Bulls jersey that D.A. wore on the show last week. He asked for it? That Schwartz got one, too, because he has asked for so many Red
2: Bulls things that he's just on their list. Like, I mean, the Joe Klecko thing was ridiculous. Yes,
4: <laughs> but, but hey, someone's got to be the Vince Papali. You got to show yourself. And guess what? That's what I did. And, Ke- and Wall's got a great... I mean, he's got not even an excuse. He's got a valid... He was asked. He was right. asked by one of the hosts, a yeah. full-time host who was playing in the game, said, hey, you coming? Do you want to come? And you went, and you got in the game. And then you delivered. And you delivered an inside-the-park home run. I didn't embarrass
3: myself. Did you trash-talk teenagers like Boyle did in the flag football game earlier
2: this year? No, I did not. Okay. All right. There were no teenagers to really troll. Okay. You behaved yourself in general.
4: I behaved myself. Yeah, you, could have, you could have trash-talked and not felt bad about it at all because they weren't 17. Right.
3: Boyle <laughs> was so bad on a football game that even Boomer was embarrassed by it. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude,
4: look. When a former MVP in the NFL, <laughs> when you show up and you play for him and he goes... Hey, and he goes, hey, boy, you better not, you better show up today, man. Like, I'm sorry, that, that switch is getting turned on, and it's not getting turned off. If only I was around <laughs> during that time when you guys played.
2: I would have been like, "Ah,
4: eh. I used to play quarterback, too. I have I have an arm.
3: <laughs> I got this, Boomer. Don't I got worry. This.
4: <laughs> Sit down, Boomer. Yeah, play tight ends. But yeah, I did say, I did, after I scored the first touchdown, I yelled, I'm him in front of the kid's face who was defending me. And I spiked it. Pat's gonna be the Pat's gonna be the coach when he has kids.
2: Um, remember Will Ferrell kicking and screaming when he's all jacked up on coffee. Yep. He takes the cone and he's screaming at the kids, "Loser, loser!" <laughs> and you're so proud when you get home that day, and your wife's just looking at you. Like I can't believe I married this lunatic. I can't believe lunatic. I married
4: someone who's screaming inside a cone, yelling at ten year olds that they're losers. Well, there you go, Kev. That's all part of the process of the seed spreading. I don't want to know who my kids are. Just <laughs> tell me who they are when they're eighteen and they're signing a professional contract. But you'll coach strangers' teams. You can yell at those kids if I'm getting paid for it. Right. I'll, I'll, I don't want to coach for free. That's too much time. I don't have patience. It's I'm parents. Suck. I don't have I don't have patience for the kids that. <laughs> that are sitting in left field, staring at the, the freaking clouds, picking sunflowers off the ground, and a fly ball gets smoked right past them. I don't have time for that.
3: Yeah. Well, hopefully it's in your future, and hopefully one of those kids picks their nose well enough to stay in your will and takes care of you when you have My nation. dad
4: was a pretty solid coach. They basically kicked him out of the league because he would smoke cigarettes behind the dugout. <laughs> But we were good. We got to the championship game and, and got to the semifinals. in the two years he coached me and you know, wrecked Little League. And I remember the one kid asked him, this little five-foot, well, we were nine. So, I guess at the time, he was like three-foot-nothing, little unathletic kid. And he goes, he goes, Coach Boyle, can I play first base? And my dad just goes, not in my lifetime.
2: <laughs> Pat Stan and Jody Mack, legendary coaches
4: in the 90s. <laughs> just chain-smoking between games. He's- Coach Boyle. My dad's actually, speaking of which, eight years, no smoking cigarettes. Good for him, man. Turned his life around. That's awesome. He used to drink, uh, doesn't drink anymore either. That's awesome. Big time props for him. Uh, Anyway, back to sports. Um, The Mariners also now just three games back of the Rangers in the AL West. Those Rangers who lost to the Brewers yesterday, 6-2. Max Scherzer passed Phil Negro for 11th all-time on the career strikeouts list, but then couldn't find a way out of the fourth Mm -hmm. inning. Three hits, three runs, four walks. With the win, the Brew Crew maintain a three-game lead over the Cubbies in the NL Central. Speaking of which, go Cubs, go. Carlos, with a K, had the audacity to trash Kyle Hendricks last week. All he did was turn around and deliver six and a third innings a one-run ball. Cubbies held off a late Royals comeback to win 4-3. Finally, zipping through the uh, the other notable scores, Orioles blasted the A's 12-1 to finish a sweep. Cardinals avoided the sweep by beating the Mets 7-2. Blue Jays smoked the Reds 10-3. Brandon Belt, two homers in that one. Red Sox swept the Yanks and dropped them to their eighth straight loss for the first time in 28 years. And in Minnesota, Dallas Keuchel, who basically was brought out of the woodwork by the Twins three weeks ago, his third major league start this year, took a perfect game into the seventh inning. Twins blanked the Pirates 2 zip. Isn't that incredible? Uh, Yeah.
3: Because he had tried one, at least once before to he only, get back in. I think in. he pitched
4: for the Reds two games last year, and the year before that was the with some other teams. I think it was Arizona two years ago,
3: and neither one went well. It was
4: terrible. Yep,
3: he was pitching well in the minors. The Twins finally brought him up, and he got the first what nineteen guys out yesterday. Now,
4: what does that? What does that say? Does that say the Pirates that, suck? Okay, yeah. I was going to say, does that say that like <laughs> even with a shred of the talent he used to have, Dallas Keuchel and like professional athletes in Major League Baseball are still that good? Or are some teams that bad? It's like 60-40 Pirates suck. Yeah. They're still, still good Dallas Keuchel. The Pirates were in like in first place in the first two weeks of May. Yeah. Now they're, they've been as bad as Oakland and Kansas City the yep. last two months.
3: Yep. Can't win a thing.
4: Uh, NFL news. Over the weekend, Sam Howell named QB1 for the Commanders. He will play tonight when preseason week two concludes. The Ravens have a 24-game preseason winning streak on the line, which continues to mystify me and hopefully everybody else. Uh, Ravens, by the way, signed Jadavian Clowney to a one-year deal over the weekend. Two and a half million could be worth up to six mil. Pass rusher and former number one overall pick spent the last two years with the Browns. Nine sacks in 2021, just two sacks last year. Uh, We know Aaron Rodgers will make his unofficial Jets debut later this week on Saturday when they play the Giants. And again, I feel like it's important to mention it each hour, Uh, Patriots rookie cornerback Isaiah Bolden out of the hospital. After that scary hit on Saturday night in Green Bay that saw him immobilized, stretchered off the field, the remaining 10 and a half minutes of that Pats and Packers preseason game was postponed, but Bolden is okay. The Patriots have since canceled both of their joint practices with the Titans uh, this week. And again, we mentioned Anthony Edwards, uh, 34 points for Team USA. They beat Germany in the final tune-up before the FIBA World Cup in the Philippines. That kicks off for USA on Saturday. They'll play New Zealand. BMW Championship, Victor Hovland, a final round record 61 at Olympia Fields in Illinois. That won it. And uh, tennis, Novak Djokovic avenged the Wimbledon loss, beat Carlos Alcaraz in a three-set thriller in the Cincinnati Masters final. Coco Goff, by the way, 19 years old. Feels like she's been around for a long time already. She's still 19 won her first master's title yesterday beating carolina muhova all right boil let's get stunned carolina muhova all right boil let's get stunned oh yeah wow i forgot about it
5: Doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy.
0: This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news.
4: Yeah, I forgot we were doing stunned. All right, let's be quick here. And uh, this was a flash. You're seeing your eye, your life flash before your eyes. If you were this Texas woman. Who was just mowing her lawn very innocently out in the open backyard of her own safety and privacy. Meanwhile, all of a sudden, boom, a snake lands on her arm out of midair. How does that happen?
3: Snakes aren't flying, right?
4: No, snakes don't fly. The snake wraps itself around her arm and starts striking herself, you know, starts striking her in the face. Snapping at her, trying to bite her. Sure. Left a couple bruises and a couple cuts on her face, but mainly was hitting her glasses. But still, how did a snake land on my arm out of nowhere? planes oh well, uh, close a no. plane that eats snakes that would be a hawk who was carrying oh, okay. the snake as its meal dropped it out of midair onto the woman's arm who was then biting her face hawk didn't like that i want my meal back the hawk then lands on this woman's arm as the snake is biting her face digs its talons into her flesh cuts her arm up all over the place grabs the snake pulls it off of the woman nearly lifts the woman off the ground and finally carries the snake away to eat it while the woman, meanwhile, was attacked by two animals in one in the span of a minute where she said herself she thought she was going to die. This was in Silsby, Texas, near the Louisiana border. What are the odds to be
3: outside underneath a hawk carrying a snake have the snake get free only to land on you, stay attached to you. Yeah, like
4: land like perfectly, like one of those little snap things. Right, a land. snap
3: bracelet? Yes. And then the hawk comes down, I assume, just being a hawk, lands on you, which requires the digging of the talons to get the snake back. I mean, no thank you. I saw me up for a hurricane plus earthquake before this. This
4: Only in
1: Texas Only in Texas too
4: She goes As I was trying to sling my arm And sling the snake off The snake wrapped around my arm It was striking in my face I was slinging and slinging He was striking and striking And he just kept hanging on And then she says Then the hawk appeared Just as fast as and the snake appeared And then the hawk appeared. appeared Oh my goodness I mean you would talk about an, uh, an attack from hell yeah. yeah Just mowing your lawn And then literally 30 seconds later You're being attacked By two different Major predators at once that was
3: a gift from Roddy2112 via Twitter DM. And I had had it saved for a while. I wanted to do it myself because it's got kind of a DA show Easter egg in there because our sweet, beloved Shawnee, one of his major fears in life is being carried away by a bird. So this story made me think of him. But, again, I don't do updates anymore, so I don't know when my next stunt to when he was going to be. And boy, we'll need one today, so I was happy to share it because that story is Bonkers. Your epic fail. Advanced analytics after this. on.
4: Analytics is
6: just a term that's kind of thrown around a lot.
5: It's time now for the Mothership's Advanced Analytics.
3: We asked you this morning, what's the best summer look? A spray tan? The pale, uncooked chicken look of Kevin Wall? Or red like a lobster? And by a hair on that arm, Kevin Wall's uncooked chicken look gets the win. 36% yeah, to 33%. Red like a lobster to 31% of the spray tan. Now, advanced analytics would tell you that mineral-based sunscreen works best to avoid sunburns. To get the best possible spray tan, you must exfoliate your skin and do not shave. Finally, fashion stylist Madeline Kennedy says the best beach look is definitely a pair of denim shorts paired with a light-colored linen top, baseball cap, and leather slide sandals. I'll take the hat. I'll leave the rest and give you now today's epic fail. Even the D.A. show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic fail. Now, Wall and I are here all five days. Bodger's here through Thursday. This is your lone boil visit, though, of the week. So now I'd normally tell the ladies to make sure they're watching as intently as possible, but that's not
2: possible today without the stream.
6: Fool this man! I
2: picked the wrong boil. weekend to get some sun. I don't look like uncooked chicken
4: for once. <laughs> and next thing you know, there's no, there's no stream. Yeah, all right. That's a tremendous line, Kev. I didn't look like uncooked chicken. <laughs>
0: that was the taste. I bet you can't wait
2: for
4: the entree. Right? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. I've never had somebody call me uncooked chicken because I've got similar skin to Kevin. Very Irish. When red, you're Irish blotchy. and
2: Canadian, there's no luck. You're just red.
4: Any tanning, tanning bed? No. Nothing. I don't have the time. Okay. I did. I did get a spray tan before my senior prom. Me too. Yeah, see, I think that's pretty common. And then it will spray all over the place if you're not careful. I don't think I've ever needed a
1: spray tan. That's...
4: Oh, sorry, bot. Oh, sorry, yeah. I don't have your perfect, immaculate, I natural sun color.
0: No, never mind. I don't, don't want to talk about it.
4: What's skin called? I almost said hemoglobin for a
5: second. <laughs> Pigment? That was hard. That was really hard for me to do.
4: Oh, uh, hard. Yeah, I mean, I
3: just spend a week on the beach, and I don't have that much color because I have to be careful because I would be red like a lobster. But
4: I can't even tell you, and I'm sure Kevin can commiserate. Like, if I had a guess...
3: So the new epic fail is me not leaving enough time for the epic fail. If only Bilotti was here to be angry, that would have been at least enjoyable. I think I freaked Botcher out a little bit. So my apologies to that. Bottom line is, we could all use some sun but a safe amount of sun. Walls tells me it'll be in the podcast. I don't know what that means. If you need the whole epic fail, it'll live there. So enjoy it that way. Uh, huge thanks to Bob Kessling and to Jared Dubin. Tomorrow on the show, sounds of Saturday, Penn State, and Oregon. Until then, for the whole crew, I'm bogus. The mothership disconnects.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.